0: Thank you for joining the show. Thank you, panel members. I'll tell you what, let's get right into it in no particular order. And I'm looking at the YouTube screen. uh, uh, Mr. Spartan Grown, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then we can get right on to sequence. Hey, I'm Spartan Grown. I'm a, uh, well, I'm a newly um, member of the
1: uh, uh, commercial scene here out in Michigan. So I'm a commercial grower now, but formerly a, uh, well, I'm still a home grower too also. So that's my experience.
0: All right, Spartan Grown. Uh, Mr. Sequence from Michigan Bro's Show. What's up, dude?
2: Hey, I'm Sequence. I'm uh, from the Michigan Bro's Grow Show. uh, We're a Michigan podcast. We talk about growing and stuff. You can check us out on all the podcast platforms. Really excited to talk to Josie and the panel.
0: Thanks for having me again. You're very welcome. And next on this is Mr. Matthew Gates. Matthew, what's up?
3: Hey there, I'm uh, Zenthanol on YouTube. You will find me in the comments under that label. I talk about integrated pest management. And recently, I've been doing some reports on aphids and new pests in cannabis. So if you're interested in that, you can check it out there or on my Instagram, Sink Angel.
0: Okay, and next on the list is our guest panel member. Mr. Josie Wales uh, from GG Strains. Josie, say hello to everybody and tell them a little bit about yourself.
4: Good afternoon all. I'm, I'm just a medical grower here in Las Vegas. I got real lucky and found GG4. I'd like to say it really found me. So this put me on a map more than anything else. I'm just enjoying being around the like-minded people, positive people. I hate negative people. So. Happy to be here.
0: All right, man. Well, listen, uh, thank you, Josie. Thank you very much. And a big shout out to Brandon for putting this all together. That's Russ.Brandon. But the next, uh, next person on the list, let's go to Jack. Jack Greenstock, what's up, dude?
5: You can find me on Instagram at Jack Greenstock. I come out of the uh, unregulated market. I used to cultivate and reverse the WC. And uh, then when I moved out to California, I started growing outdoor and greenhouse for a while and when they legalized it, I had to uh, stop growing outdoors in a greenhouse because that's illegal now for me in my city, and now I'm just a small-time uh, medical home grower, and you can find me at Jack Greenstock on Instagram, and I host Greenstock Talks podcast as well. Um, pretty hard to follow up, Josie, but happy to have you on the show tonight, and I'm uh,
0: really excited to uh, hear the stories absolutely absolutely jack and that's jack greenstalk on instagram and next on the list is the doctor himself mr dr mj from coco for cannabis doctor say hello to everybody
6: hello to everybody yeah i'm happy to be back i'm excited to, to be on a panel at josie wales i think this will be a lot of fun um i uh, yeah i'm dr mj coco from coco for cannabis.com um we put out content on the science and practice of growing cannabis uh, I just got a new guide to transplanting posted last week, and I'm about to be posting some new training tutorials this week. So check that out and I'm harvesting tonight. so I'm excited about that.
0: Oh really. Wow,
6: yeah, good. Good man. Like an hour after the show ends, I got to stay up all <laughs> night trimming. so it'll be right. fun. Yeah,
0: well, I, I guess there's I guess there are worse things in the world, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no,
6: it's it's probably the worst part of growing, but it's still, there are definitely worse things in the world.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, wow, well, look at that. Chef just joined us. Chef, what's up, dude? Uh, perfect timing. Why don't you say hello to everybody, including Josie?
7: Hey, everyone. Um, it's an honor to be amongst uh, one of the creators of My Favorite Strains.
4: Well, thank you.
0: All, all right chef you can find chef on instagram at chef omj and chef omj on coco for cannabis uh next is mr can 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 grow he's a canadian home grower can can say hello to everybody
8: yeah i'm uh, excited to be back after missing a couple uh, miss, missing a couple weeks i'm excited to see uh the progress in the the show with a special guest here and uh, i am uh an ACMPR home and medical grower here in Canada, and I'm probably best known for uh, the documenting my grow on uh, my social media on YouTube and on Instagram at CanCanGrow. Thanks for having me.
0: You are very welcome, CanCan, and thank you again for being on the panel. You were certainly missed and um you know i hope you i, I know that you sent me a few uh, a few photos last week it looks like you had a great time so good for you and for you viewers and listeners check mr can can out at c-a-n c-a-n-n-g-r-o-w both on youtube and instagram mr can can grow and next on the list is the guy who helped me put this together mr brandon russ brandon say hello to everybody
9: hey how's it going everybody um... I'm Brandon Rust. Uh, You can find my Instagram at Rust.Brandon. That's R-U-S-T.Brandon. I always uh, am glad to be here. Um, I I enjoy uh, being amongst uh, great people on the panel, and I definitely uh, appreciate uh, Josie Wales for being here. Um, I'm looking forward to this episode as I I think I can uh, speak for us all. Um I also wanted to give a shout out to Miss Nuri who can't be here tonight. And I also wanted to say that if you to you from and get in the. A-
0: chat Brandon Brandon
9: and
0: uh Brandon. Again. yeah hey, uh Brandon if you could can, yeah. can you get can you get to a uh more clear place a place in your house cuz your audio's it's it's kind of it's kind of bad right now
9: if that's possible yeah let me try
0: moving somewhere sure all right guys um as brandon does that let's get the show started um and we are going to focus on mr make sure you turn on live
5: chat sorry to cut you off shane if you're in the uh audience on youtube right now click on the thing where it says top chat and go over to live chat so that way you can see any links that we drop and uh if somebody swears in a message it won't filter it out um there's a whole lot of goofy stuff with top chat so it tries to show you just what it thinks you want to see. But if you go to live chat, you'll make sure you see all the comments.
0: Okay, Jack. Well, thank you, Jack, for that uh, little tip. I appreciate that. I think you did, I think you said that last week. So, you know, hey man, thank you. Thanks for the look out there. Okay, guys. And this show this week, it's going to be, um, it's going to be, oh, look at that. My friend, Eric, he wants to come in. Uh, dude, we got 10 people. Oh, all right, but um, I'm, I'm, I apologize. Um, but anyway, this week's show, This week's panel member is Josie Wales, a special panel member, so let's focus the show on Mr Wales, Mr Josie Wales, and um, you know really my first question for you and i'm I'm absolutely positive. That the viewers in the chat and hello to everybody in the chat i'm view i'm positive that the viewers in the chat have a bunch of questions for you. And I know for a fact the panel members have a bunch of questions for you, but Josie if you could why don't you tell us about. You know i mean your most famous strain which is what gg4 so i'll tell you what let's let's start there and let's just get this conversation rolling
4: oh it's a great honor to even be with you guys uh the story behind gg4 is a uh, rather long one i don't know if you want me to get into the whole story or just comment on what what it is and how is it made
0: well you know Josie, i tell you what why don't you um why don't you why don't you start and then i'm i'm absolutely positive uh you know you'll get you will get questions from the uh from the panel members um so just 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 talk and you know then we can have a uh a, a, a free-flowing group conversation
4: well first of all i gotta thank uh Gray Skull seeds uh when i got back into growing i joined ic mag i think it was about 2009. I laid off growing for about 20 years as a crane operator. So I had to test negative for drugs at all times. So when I did come back, I got Mag and uh, Meg Grayskull, Zoolander. They both are seed producers now. And uh, at the point I got my genetics for GG4s through him, Grayskull Seeds. And I got Sourdub kim's sister
9: okay
4: got the chocolate diesel off another guy from uh uh nugs and jugs party that you guys know elaine outcast all right from instagram she uh posted a really rigged 420 party in nevada one time so i got to attend it so but the story starts. Uh, I was at a casino one time and I'd lost my cell phone. I couldn't find it. And about a month later, I get a knock on the door about midnight, and it was the Las Vegas Police Department. And they started asking me where oh, you know this girl. And I said no, sir. And they uh, come find out they'd found my cell phone at this girl's house that had been beaten and dragged down the stairs. So they were. I was the number one suspect at that time <laughs> jesus after i talked to him for about an hour out in my front porch they figured out i wasn't the guy they was looking for but they said uh, how many plants you got going smell it really nice i light up my ass and tell them i just got 12 i'm a medical grower, and i let my med card lapse so I was, I was totally illegal at the time my wife is freaking out when i come back in the house so we're thinking that, they're going to call the vice department and get them out here. But, uh, that, so I tore down my grow that night and moved it all out to a friend's house. And that was about 80 plants. the time I was running as one gallon pot stadium grow. And all the, I had the Kim sister, sour dub and, a chocolate diesel. And also one that my partner, Ross, late Ross Johnson had passed away at a lone wadi had grown and made about Kim sister by sourdough. Well, about a week later after that, it was all clear and I went to get my plants back, hauled them home and set them up and the cross of Kim sister and sourdough hermed on me and pollinated the whole room. So I was pretty bummed out about it. I gave most of the weed away. And my buddy, Marlin, or Mardog, as he's called, him, as mag, kept some of the seeds. And so it would be about, oh, I guess a year and a half later, we set up a grow together at a house here in Las Vegas. His medical license is my medical, and he started some seeds, those seeds, off the chocolate diesel. And we was real skeptical, you know, they'd harm us, so we watched them close. But, uh, out of those seeds, we got the GG1, GG4, and this runt, which we later killed because the exact replica of up. sourdough. But, uh, rest is history. I mean, I just passed out to GG4 and it spread like wildfire and, uh, a guy named I won't mention his name, but a guy entered, entered it in the Southern California Canvas Cup, High Times Cup, and won it. It was unbelievable. I didn't think anybody had a chance unless they paid off high time, but I was, guess I was wrong.
5: Do you remember what year that was?
4: Uh, that'd be somewhere 2011, 2012, let twelve, I'd see.
7: So did your did uh, your, your partner, Murdoch, he did some beano hunting, didn't he? With that, with those seeds?
4: Well, actually, we had I think there six of them that he kept and threw away a I had the grape or almond in that room and the seeds off it. We threw away just, you know, thinking of the herm seeds. So why even bother growing them? And he, the only ones we kept was those ones he had. And was, I think there was five or six. A couple of them didn't pop. One, I think he misdiagnosed or not di- diagnosed, missexed as a male, which it wasn't, but he killed it anyway. But uh, all three, the and there was GG2 that I give to a guy to keep safe, and he lost it. So we only have GG1 and GG4 of the original, and we crossed GG1 and GG4 and made GG5. Um just popped some more of those seeds yesterday, germinating. See what I can find in that bunch. I have a question. Go on, Matthew. Um,
3: what stood out to you about um about it like when you tried it for the first time?
4: Unbelievable. The taste is just so nice. It was great. It's not the prettiest bag of peel plant, but just I didn't realize it's such a good breeding plant till later on. Like what,
3: like, uh, I guess like when you smoked it, were there like qualities that stood out to you like taste wise or aroma wise or?
4: Oh, taste wise. It's just about the yummiest thing I'd ever tasted at the time. I'm not a heavy smoker, so I really appreciate taste when I do smoke. As a as a commercial plant, it's sorry, you know, it doesn't yield that well or nothing, but it's really got the taste. And obviously, it red you well.
9: Know, uh, 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 I've
4: used. Uh, can you guys? Can you guys hear me right? Kind of fuzzy, but I
7: hear you. Yeah, yeah. You're a little robotic, but yeah.
9: Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I know that I've used the I've used the Gorilla Glue for a lot of different crosses, and it always um, it always does pretty amazing things. I always get uh, a wide variety of expressions, and uh, one of the expressions that I get uh, that it always leans towards is this like uh, chocolate coffee smell that I get that I'm assuming comes from the uh, chocolate tie. And I've had uh, some varieties that if they tasted exactly like chocolate mocha, and that's what they smell like, too. And so interesting, the different um, characteristics that it brings out when you uh, when you breed
4: with it. Yeah, it's got a lot of genes in it. So it's between the Kim dog and sourdough and a chocolate diesel. Let us. I don't know that heritage is buying chocolate. diesel. I heard it's chocolate trip by something. I don't remember what, but there's enough genetics in it to bring out flavor, uh, from gas to coffee to, I think it's chocolate trip X East coast sour diesel. I don't know about that. Chocolate trip. It was a sour diesel or not.
5: I I was saying that's that's what I thought it was crossed to.
4: No, there's no, no sour diesel crossing it It was chocolate diesel soured up and Kim's sister.
1: I just wanted to make a comment on something you said earlier, and, um, I wanted to first and foremost, just say thank you. Um, and the reason for the thank you, and it's not just for me, the chat has meant more than one person in chat has already said to make sure to thank you for bringing the strain to the, to everyone. And what I think is important is when you said, when you were going through your keeper finos, you know, the one in number four, and you said you gave out the number four everywhere. I just want to thank you for that, because in this industry, I'm sure you well know, a lot of people, when they find a gem like that, they just want to hoard it. That's like their first instinct. And for you to go out and to, to spread that around, I just want to thank you for that.
4: I right, thank you for, for liking it. I, I, I was a new member in Mag at the time and trying to get get their quality genetics to grow and nobody, would, you know, share anything. Grace Colbert was one of the only ones in Zoolander that would share. So I, when I made G4 and I knew it was good, I wanted to share it with everybody so that little no grower like myself could, could get quality genetics to grow. So it went fast and far, you know, a lot of people sold it and I didn't want that. I wanted to be given and not be given to the shops to clone out and sell as commercial. But no way to stop that, no, in like all actuality. But if I hadn't given it out, I'd been sitting here on it and nobody'd know about it, and I wouldn't have been able to do anything with it in my medical growth so i draw grow it and smoke it.
3: Similarly, I was introduced to it recently, and I I actually really enjoyed it as well, so I
5: appreciate it. Thank you.
4: You're welcome. You're all welcome.
5: I'd say it has one of the most unique flavors, and I'm happy that you said that stood out to you first when, like, that's what you first noticed about it, because that's the first thing I noticed about it was the flavor was different than anything I tried, but it was very pleasant, but just very unique. Um, Every time I have it, I'm like, oh, that's glue, or it's got glue in it. It's got a very uh, distinct flavor. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of its distinctness,
3: I guess that's part of the reason I asked the question, like what about the, I guess I should have been more specific or articulate, like when you guys do smoke it, I'm curious what, what all y'all uh, note about it specifically, I like what Brandon had brought up already.
2: The euphoric buzz is the part that always stood out to me, and always had a really euphoric buzz, very uplifting, um, amazing buzz on it. and when it's bred into stuff it really helps with the yield and those things also and the resin content
4: yeah definitely the resin yeah i I want to agree
6: with that it's not just the flavor it's the effect that it has i mean it's one of the the most sort of powerful and pleasant highs that that's out there i think it's one of my favorite strengths
7: I'd have to agree, even with, you know, all the stuff that's testing, you know, all in the 40s or whatever, and I've, I've actually had some outdoor uh, Gorilla Glue for and it was, uh, it was amazing. I mean, it wasn't as you know, turpinous and resinous as you could do indoors, but uh, it was still pretty good, and I'd just like to say thank you again for you know bringing that and giving it away i mean that's like that's absolutely something that is you know profound in the cannabis community
4: well some people have followed my lead with with it uh chunky pigs and uh og kush breath 2.0 was an awesome strain he's handed it out so i'm not the only one but i appreciate you guys liking it
7: yeah I, I definitely have to say it's like a, a go-to for like any occasion really i mean my, my wife she's just she's in love with it i mean if anytime anytime i've grown it it, it never lasts around here
1: <laughs> well one thing i'd like to bring up too coming from the medicinal aspect of it too um as a character- here in Michigan um, for the for just the straight pain relief and something that would punch through anything else that was my always my go-to that was the one that I would give to a patient who was um, fighting cancer that was the one that I would give to a patient who was uh, you know recovering from a surgery and it seemed like it always would help them more than anything else so there is a medicinal aspect to the potency too I
4: mean it's it's, sure After I had an open heart surgery, I had anxiety so bad. And that's the only thing that kill the anxiety. Some, I each beat a chunk of GG4 hash and just, just stop the anxiety totally for weeks at a time. I was, I was so bad. I take sleeping pills and I still couldn't sleep. The anxiety was just, it had grip on me, but not with GG4, killed it. And that's
1: what was special about the GG4 is usually the high potency strains are the ones that give you the anxiety. And this one really didn't do that to you. So that, it's just something special about that strain.
5: Yes, sure. I can agree with that pain relieving quality. I banged my elbow today on a metal rack, my funny bone. And it's like swollen and hurt all day long. And uh, oh. when I got home, I've been smoking GG4 and a GG4 cross. And I literally like feel the swelling going down and the pain's just been dropping off each bowl I smoke. Nice. So I'm absolutely a big fan of it from the medical perspective as well.
4: Oh, God. So uh, many people I, me. I, I, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. Okay. Um, Brian, go. I, have, I have a question. Um,
9: so from, you know, one of the things back in the day, I think one of the reasons why a lot of people held on to everything they had, because it was kind of like the bread and butter. And if it was something that was um, you know, that had a a good value to it. They would hold on to it and try to not give it out. That way they could keep the market demand high and they could sell for higher prices. And um, so that was one of the reasons that a lot of stuff wouldn't get out. Um, Mm -hmm. And having, you know, giving out, you know, so, so much, you know, I definitely appreciate I love the cut and I grow it. How, I mean, how does it, how has it affected you? Um, like,
4: how has it impacted you like in your life in general? Like, well, really it's, it's, it's the foundation behind GG strains. I don't know if any of you are familiar with what GG strains is doing, but it's our stepping stone to that whole business. And Can that, I ask that, a question it, to lead into that?
5: Yeah. So like, um, I'll ask this for people that might not be familiar. Can you give the history about how Gorilla Glue actually sort of uh, legally interacted with you and why the name is now GG4 and GG Strains?
4: Well, they called my house one time and informed me who the lawyer was calling and a lawsuit, which I thought was bullshit. So I hung up on him. And about two weeks later, he called again. So I listened to him and said that there's going to sue us and we're using the word gorilla glue. And uh, so we had to get lawyers. So I set up a call with him, the liar, and my partner, which is better at speaking and business minded than I am, who's passed away just recently, Ross. And we talked and uh, we finally had to hire some lawyers and negotiate a deal and we settled out of court, but. It a very costly. We still owe you lawyers a lot of money. So paying that back and trying to keep the business going.
5: Wow. So I just want to say rest in peace to Ross. That's uh, really sad to hear about his passing. And now yeah. you can uh, st- sort of tell us a little bit about GG strains. It's um, it seems to me from the outside looking in a little bit like you're licensing out the straining yes. to legal states and people that can grow.
4: Yes. Mark marketing, and marketing licensing business they get our strains, we get a percentage of each crop. And it's not too good for the small time growers, but for the big growers, they're getting quality genetics for pennies, don't have to phenol hunt, we do the phenol hunting and provide our quality genetics for them to grow.
5: I like that from the user perspective, if I was to get something from something like someone who paid the licensing and got it from you, I know then it's verified, legitimate, the true genetics. If I'm getting a GG for it, that's actually what I want to get, not some random yes. cross.
4: That's the most important thing of it all, I did forgot to mention that, but they're all certified genetics from, from us, and I know a lot of people don't like Phylos and Truby, but we've had them all tested, and they're all... I guess you'd say trademarked their name and they're certified that that is what they are. So somebody I think that's an awesome have an awesome business, business model. Pardon
9: me? I think it's a great business model for you to be able to, um, you know, license out and to be able to have that name and the legitimate, the legitimacy to back that name up. Um, I think that's a huge, you know, a huge thing. I think that's really important, especially um, with how much misinformation that I've seen within the, the newly emerging industry, where there's a lot of mislabeling and people, you know, trying to just you know make money as fast as they can, I think that having that um, having that name uh, attached to a product is going to be a huge thing, and I hope people recognize, you know, the the what that means and you know what kind of you know, quality it's associated with. I know some really uh, good people that are uh, growing some gorilla glue at their facilities. I know that they're licensed, uh, that you're doing licensing with them and
4: um, they're amazing. And I think that it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Thank you. We're trying. Hey, uh,
0: Josie, how uh, I'm curious, how has business been for you these uh, these past couple of years?
4: It's picking up is a hard, really hard at the beginning, but as this new legality moves forward, it's getting easier and uh, some really big outfits have contacted us and talking to us. And, you know, ones like Fat Panda, we been blessed to work with in Washington State. They've been our bread and butter so far, so some
0: you know, something, um, you know, some Josie? Uh,
7: we definitely love it here. I, I'm from Washington State, and yeah, I have to say that it's not really on the market. So, I mean, anybody that is growing it is actually, you know, making a pretty decent profit.
0: I'm good. Hey, um, Josie, I'm curious about something. Can you can you? I mean, I know this isn't so much growing, but you know, without revealing too much information, but can you walk us through the the licensing of you know the gg4 strains i mean like how does that all work if that's something that you want to get into and if not that's perfectly fine too
4: well it's pretty basic like i said that we supply our cuts how they get there i don't know most of them are in state already because uh like crossing state lines is illegal so we try not to do that and uh we get so much a gram, I won't say on the air how much that is, but for each harvest, we get so much pennies per gram. And the track and trace metric system provides us with uh, what they're selling and what the name of it is. So we know, it keeps track of what they owe us. And that's how we get paid.
5: I got to say that sounds very fair. A lot of people recently have uh, looked down on Phylos, but I think the way that you're using it is the way that everyone wanted to and intended to with like the prior art, um, being able to map your g- genome and show that it's truly what it is. I think what they did was sort of underhanded by saying they weren't going to be a breeding company and they weren't going to be a tissue culture company. And like, that's a separate episode. But I think I yes. um, I wish I think everybody wishes like breeders like yourself and DJ Short and all these people that put the time in and, and found something special, you should get the credit and you should be able to have like a, a legacy way to come in to the markets and um, be rewarded for it. So it's unfortunate that the other things happen with phylos, but I think you were doing the right thing, trying to just verify and have the most scientifically rooted background.
3: I mean, similarly, there's a, and I always mention that there's this loquat cultivar that I have at my house called Big Jim and it's named after a man in San Diego where I live, where I'm at right now um and he bred this cultivar and now is pretty much the most common one uh here and possibly even in california and so i think it's kind of cool to like know the name attached to it and then have the, the understanding of like jack mentioned the the genome and like why do we like it and you can ask those questions because you you have a, a a genetic background to to, to marry to the name I hate to always pull it back (laughs) to the medicinal side but let's not forget the medicine aspect of this
1: you know if you if you have a dna-backed test proving the genetics of that plant is what they say it is and you know that that mix of terpenes slash cannabinoids slash everything else is in that cultivar actually helps you for whatever your ailment is then that's a powerful thing to be able to have a stamp on the end product saying you know certified or whatever it is or you know, licensed string, you know, that what you're getting is medicine. I mean, just in the the open market of CBD right now, and you know exactly what I'm talking about.
4: Yeah. Agreed.
5: Totally. I definitely agree. Josie, as far as uh, cultivation practices, um, I think personally that heavily influences the results that we were just talking about as far as the medicine, what are your preferred like lighting? And, um, let's say like, where, what do you grow in? What's your style? Organic. Oh,
4: synthetic. I'm, I'm so old fashioned It's pathetic. I'm still running 1000 much HPS bulbs. Because I've got such a small growth space. I'm allowed 12 plants. My wife's got her grow cards. So I'm just another 12. So I get 24 total. So I try to keep some flowering, you know, perpetual harvest and some beds cloning. And I use cocoa, general hydroponics uh goal line the stinky stuff and some of uh, Russ send me some I can from out pronounce what it is. Russ help me out on this. Bokashi? Yep, there he is. <laughs> it seems Yeah, yes. Bokashi. Okay.
5: Brandon makes some great Bokashi. He doesn't dude. I like a lot of the amendments in there that he, uh, I didn't even realize there was so much good stuff in there that would be in like a super soil almost.
9: Yeah. So what I did with the, the EM1, Lokashi is uh, I did the EM1. I didn't do like a lot of the uh, like indigenous microorganisms that I see a lot of people using just because there's scientific research to back up the EM1. And then I added, um, you know, I actually did a bunch of different recipes, and then I found that using soy hy- hydrolysate and some of the other organic inputs um, help sustain it longer. And then um, it also adds those inputs quicker into the soil. So, um, especially if you have a living soil or you have earthworms in there, it just builds everything up really quickly. Quickly, and it also helps too you know, like if you if you are doing synthetics. Um, it actually will help break down all the um, the salts that are uh, that are in
6: it. Yeah. So, Josie, you're uh, growing in cocoa, huh?
4: Yep. Cool.
6: Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd love it. We would be honored if you'd come by and check out our Cocoa for cannabis. That's really our our main topic is growing in Cocoa core and sort of teaching growers how to make maximum advantage of the media.
4: Yeah, I have to check it out yeah you, you play teach me something
6: <laughs> i don't know about
4: that but yes. I, 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 we'd
6: be honored we have a live chat room we have a forum there i mean if you ever popped your head into our chat room i'm sure all my members would just loo- just about lose their minds um but yeah i got a bunch of articles on on fertigation on growing in cocoa um and if you had if you'd be do me the honor of checking those out i'd be really happy
4: yeah send me a message on instagram and i'll link it up so i'll follow you on oh awesome! See what's going
6: on absolutely yeah I'll, I'll uh i'll reach out to you on instagram
4: i have to say it's
3: really cool to see these sorts of joinings
4: i think so too like i said i like the positive side of this group thank you for that. Uh, yeah, we, we, we do appreciate that uh, i'll tell
0: you guys let's um let's go to mr can 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 you've been quiet so far do you have any questions or or comments for josie
8: no, I, I, honestly, I've just uh, kind of been uh, enjoying listening to everything. Um, I think that there's a ton of value in uh, not just growing, but learning about the history of, you know, some of these these, these great strains and cultivars that we got. And uh, no, I think uh, everything that everyone said, I I, I back 100%. And uh, I, I think it's great. So no, I don't I don't have any specific questions right now, but I'm sure I'll chime in if I do.
0: Okay, Mr. Can-Can. Um, but Josie, I am, you know, I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned that you're growing in cocoa core. Uh, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Because to be perfectly honest with you, a a old school guy like yourself, I mean, quite frankly, I, I kind of figure that you would grow, um, well, grow organically. But if you could, um, could you tell us a little bit more about your medium?
4: Well, actually, I take a bag of uh roots organic and a bag of bio cocoa and i mix them together so it's not straight cocoa then i just use the Go line and uh, rust product and water with that i flush every three days i just run cold straight water through them tap water there's not even ro water I, i find that the Gorilla Glue strains don't need that much fertilizer. They can just do wonderful without heavy feeding. I see so many people overfeeding it, and they get small little nasty-looking buds and wonder why their Gorilla Glue is so shitty. But Basically, it's so simple. I just don't see no use of going uh, any further. I would like to try totally organic living soil but uh at my age and my physical condition i really can't build beds and once i got them done it'd probably be fine but just getting it done is a lot easier for me to just do cocoa
3: i think this speaks to a point that i've made in the past about how like people should and other people here on the panel as well that you shouldn't shame somebody you know, for not not growing in a certain way, because circumstances
5: really dictate how you cultivate. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I agree. And I'll say this, like, I just harvested a a gorilla glue cross in cocoa. And uh, I think when you do it properly, it can taste just as good, if not better than soil. My cat's meowing at me over here. But um, I think, yeah, the the point is if you do things properly and you have a good method that works for you at the end of the day, who cares, you know, do what works best for you. and makes you I happy.
4: I agree totally. Only thing I noticed with organics is you get more color in your plants. I, I think
7: I, I, I was about to say something about that. Um, I, I actually did a, a scrog in a four by four with the, it was actually backseed seed from one of the, uh, Established uh, GG4 growers and here in Washington. Um, it's really hard to get a hold of any of their stuff now, but um, I did that in soil. Um, I did a, a combination of uh, top dressings and um, feeding fertilizers. Uh, and then I actually just grew across. Uh, the the GG one and uh, Lily from Expert Seeds, and that, that is actually super resinous. And I actually have uh, some posts on Instagram about it. Um, it it's super crystalline. I couldn't. I couldn't believe my eyes.
4: Well, that that's what gets me is how Expert Seeds can say they got GG one when it's never been released to anybody. It's just beyond my belief that they can con people into believing that they made gg1. And I realize g4 they can back cross or sell s1s but g1 has never been released to the public. It's been released to some of our contracted growers, but that's it.
7: That's really interesting that you say that I mean, um, I just purchased the a- a few seeds uh, supposedly a GG1 and um
5: it's sort of what we um, talked about last episode with the uh, or maybe a few episodes back with shady breeder practices i think right. this happens more often than we might think where so, we can't figure out if it's true or not if they have it but I you buy the seeds try it
7: i went to go look for the seeds <laughs> that i purchased and they weren't even available uh they they were taken off the shelf and um, I, I can't even find any information on the grower, the grower site or the breeder site that actually uh, distributed the seeds. So.
4: Well, Musk and Dagger had posted a picture of, of uh, some rolled joints and you put what they were and where they got them. And one was GG4 for an expert seeds. Uh, you know, I get kind of touchy on the subject, it can be gorilla, but it can't be GG4, x Pacific pheno that I found, and nobody else, out don't care they back cross it. it, could be marked as a back cross, or a S1, or GG4, S1, but it cannot be just GG4, it's impossible. So yeah, I, think I assumed I, a lot of
6: S1s, and that people were just selling an S1 variety as the originals. Yeah, actually
7: I have seen that there was uh, some P1s on Instagram. Um, some company and that you actually approved of them working the P1.
4: Yes, my Quotec on Instagram.
7: I, I can't. Re- I can't remember the company, but uh, they were they're about to release uh, the P the P1s.
4: Yeah, he changed the IBL, but it's that's a he's a good friend of mine. He's worked that line really hard and honestly and tells you what they are. He's never claimed to be GG4, straight GG4. He's named in different names, uh, Unbroken Chain, Three Gorillas, and stuff like that. So he's put a lot of work into uh, it. with
9: So, um, you know, one of the things is I actually love opening the line. I do uh, back crosses, you know, reverse back crosses. Which are S one, and I always clarify what it is, and I think that's the most important thing. Yes. Um, how do you feel about? about I mean, I, for me, giving credit where credit is due is very important to me, and um, I like to use the glue, the glue, and I've used it in a lot of different crosses, and I've come up with a lot of different uh, amazing things. And one of the things that I always like to do is say, "Hey, this is exactly what this is," and I document it. To, to make sure they're like, hey, you know, and that's, I think one of the things that's really important to remember too, is a lot of these old school varieties, they're clone only. So oh, yeah. if someone is claiming it, that they have like Romulan seeds or they have OG Kush seeds, sour diesel seeds, you need to check the legitimacy of the source and see exactly what it is because from experience, like we did the Afghan bull rider, we did the P91, we did the San Diego cat piss, blueberry train wreck. These things are all clone only. You cannot get these in seed form, and the only way you could get them was if they had been, pat, you know, handed down from somebody within the circle, and there was always the stipulation of, don't give this out to anybody. You can have it, you know. And so, you, you know, you have to remember, like. There's a huge emerging industry, but there's also this old school community, so if you can look back into the history of things, which is like one of the things I find most. uh, Important in knowing the source of where things come from so that way you don't get screwed and then also if you're growing something always give people
4: the the credit, you know, for for who bred it. I agree totally.
3: That's one thing I appreciate when you mention things jack like. I always try to be like a sponge because I don't really, understand, I don't really know all of that lore and like yeah like I would not have if somebody said oh yeah these are Romulan seeds i have been like oh okay cool like I would have done. It's what to-
4: Jack is t- totally true I and mean, if you don't research what you're getting and know what you're getting you know just waste of time really that's that's why we genetically went to true breed and pylos and mapped the genetics out. So let say this expert seeds with GG one. I can take a leaf off his product and send it in and prove it's not GG one because I've got it filed there at pylos and I got paperwork here. It won't match, I guarantee you. So you know, yeah, these were
7: also a seeds a seed mix up. Um, I, I was supposed to get uh, a GG 4 automatic. And it was just um just some strain that you know I just randomly, you know. Found yeah, I wasn't out knocking where,
4: you for for it at well, all. I was expert sees more or less. I was knocking on it. I know you're buying a product and you expect it. You got something different, I appreciate you even telling us about it. I
7: appreciate you telling me that you know it's it's not even what it is so i mean it's it's pretty crazy well,
4: what's an important part is you like it though that's so that's that's good i've got yeah, a some question like,
7: some some of the similar tastes are there you know uh, the pine and um a little bit of chocolate um it it, it does also have you know some of the uh, euphoric effects so
4: well that's odd because that sounds like gg1 but how they got it i wouldn't know <laughs>
6: hey so josie i got a a clone dispensary here i'm in los angeles and um they sell cuts of gg4 Mm -hmm. um i've suspected that they were original cuts um is that what you would suspect
4: they should be you know i I don't know but it's been out there so long they should be
6: yeah no they're a reputable clone dispensary so i was assuming that they were but and they also told me that it was a clone only strain and that yeah all the seeds were we're probably us ones too. So, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna have to go get one after this conversation. We're doing a, a beat the best challenge, and I think I'm gonna have to enter a, a clone of the GG4 into that. It's probably gonna win.
4: Well, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Always like those wins.
1: Yeah, there you go. Hey, hey, Josie, I got it. Go. I got it. I got
0: it. Brandon, Brandon, um, uh. uh Brandon, just hold on for one second. I think Spartan Grown wanted to ask a question for Josie.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, Josie, I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask you, um, as a grower to a grower, I'm sure GG4 is not the only thing in your garden right now. What else you got going on in there?
4: Oh, right now we got uh, seed junkies. Uh, what is he make? Uh, it's Cush, Man or the other one. So the Wedding cake. Now. Wedding cake, yeah, F2 Wedding cake by Cushmets 11. Female, I just hit it with some pollen off of a Mycotex IBL. GG4, male. And, and see what I get out of that. I've got a hammerhead genetics. Flashbang. I don't even know the history of that. Read about it a little bit the other day. It's a magazine. Bag seed crops or something else. Uh, really liking the structure of it and looks. Just put it in flower a week ago.
5: What'd you uh, look for in the male GG four from the IBL?
4: Well, I wish I had more to go through. So I wasn't really too impressed with this male that he used. wasn't as, as robust as I like. But I look for health and bigger and and pollen production. I got a little of either on this. In particular male. And I uh, just I do have seeds. just hoping for a lot more. But that's that's a curse of being a small time pollen checker. I want to say breeder.
9: I, I I have a tendency to, uh, you know, do small bat pollination. That's how I make all of my seeds and uh, i will take you know just little manners and i'll make a couple seeds here and there you know, through what i get and sometimes i find some amazing stuff um sometimes i just find trash and i waste space but um it's always uh it's always so awesome to be able to find a new flavor and just to see those flavors develop throughout flowering and see how the plant does it's like a, it's the best feeling ever really i love being in the garden it was
4: an adventure. It really
1: is. It's fun. Isn't it interesting? It looks like that breeding. Uh, is- one, one else- I'm sorry, no, I was just gonna say it looks like breeding is going more towards uh, flavor now than anything else. They don't care about anything else except
4: for flavor, which is kinda of It seems to be the case, but I think it's really important. I think flavor is really, really
9: important nowadays. Uh there's there's you know, I've tasted some pretty interesting uh, varieties of cannabis, and if you can really bring out those terpene profiles in them, you can have uh, some, um, you know, some different, you know, some different varietals that express really, really heavy flavoring. Speaking of which, uh, what is, how about, you know what are all of the panelists' members' uh, favorite variety? What's your guys' favorite thing to smoke? Who grew
4: it? I'll start out, with I think sourdough is my favorite of all time. a high taste and just a general enjoyment.
3: Do you find that you like um, citrus or, or like citrus taste the most specifically,
4: mm-hmm. Josie? No, not at all. I you know, like the more gassy sourdough taste of, I don't know, uh, I don't know if it's gassy or but yes. It's like a, it's like a, like a, like a, Pine, like a pine saw fuel type smell. Is that kind of what you're describing? Yeah, pretty much. I, I'm not too much on the pretty strains. So I like to taste them one time, but after I taste them, it just gets boring to me.
5: So sour dub is originally from bog um, seeds, right? And you said well, you got yours through um, gray skull. the Grayskull. So yeah. that's did he get his from? um bog seeds
4: yes because that's like one of
5: bog's flagship okay
4: actually as one of his closest friends uh he won't ever tell me his name so i know it's undercover was given these seeds like bog
5: and bog for anyone who doesn't know is a bushy older grower
4: yeah. i
5: believe he's from yeah. uh I- ic mag and he's an yeah. old school guy he's been in it for a long time he's got like really lifesavers double. he's got a lot of really good stuff
4: more well known
5: yeah thanks for thanks for reminding us about all
3: of that i i did not know at all i thought oh bog like that's swampy i wonder what that's supposed to designate <laughs> no
1: it's just finding kind of, yeah. of that question is like i like the new stuff i'm growing it seems like that's what i'm always reaching for um, <laughs> <laughs> and right now right now what i'm really liking um Subcool actually sent me a tester of a, a, a DJ short blueberry crossed with a um Cal Cushman's uh is it a strawberry cough or raspberry cough? Strawberry cough. Strawberry cough, crossed with strawberry um, cough. And oh my god, I got this number two know out of four that I was running. It's just so good tasting. It's like you just want to keep smoking it and keep smoking it and keep smoking it. I just love the flavor that I'm getting out of it. So that's neat.
5: I'm excited about that because i've actually got strawberry daiquiri from subcool right now which is jack the ripper across to uh kyle cushman strawberry cough as well i've got three females that are about to go into flower here pretty shortly oh that's gonna be awesome
1: that's one thing i'll give it to subcool and tga they, they could bring the flavors man they really bring the flavor on some of that some of that stuff
5: i also like the jack the ripper just because it's in my experience, been a really strong head high and uh, gets me focused and like functional, which I really enjoy. Um, And Josie, it sounds really like you are all about the positivity and like paying it forward. And I just wanted to share a little bit of a story because I just, before we were on the podcast, I was talking about um, one of the flavors that I just harvested, um, but it was off air. So I wanted to give a shout out to my buddy. He broke his little like hash wands. So I went to my local grow shop. And got him these little like glow wands that you use a smoke ash. It's like a glass rod that you heat up. Um, and I sent him to him for free. He lives up in Crescent City at the time, which is like Northern California. He's been breeding since like 2007. And one of his objectives was like you talked about, good genetics weren't just easy to come by back then. He wanted to give out the gas because people were really holding on to like OG Kush and people were paying thousands of dollars for cuts. So he wanted to make a gassy strain available. And he went out on his journey and he made this string called Del Norte Fuel, which is a cross with Mexican land race, which he crossed the chem 4, which he then got an OG, he backcrossed the OG, and finally, um, he OG back twice and hit that finally with a GG4 to tie it all together. And I just had my first harvest of that, crossed the purple punch, which uh, he calls spiked punch. And the flavor is like outrageous on the inhale. It's, like if you crushed up a packet of Smarties and on the exhale it's like your mouth and throat are coated with like gasoline for like five to ten minutes afterwards it's really unique so I just want to shout out um, at doja DNA or at vegan underscore doja because he really uh, just paid it forward he sent me a bunch of seeds and some really good hash rosin so shout out to him
4: oh, nice I'll break your arm for them seeds <laughs> Uh, actually hey
5: we can make it happen we can get some over to you
4: i appreciate that i love gg4 crosses i've got a box full of them i love them
9: (laughs) uh i am doing a few crosses right now with uh the black line reserve uh from Mean gene from mendocino and uh i always get some amazing stuff out of there and uh i've got a really awesome purple fino nice, that i'm uh, really really digging right now oh man it a pretty i really
3: liked i really liked him when you showed me that that was that was uh they smelled really nice
5: and it's stacking oh, up so early in flower Oof, it looks great
9: um well, i'm really happy with it um you know oh, oh my uh, my all-time favorite smoke though Uh, I have a friend out here and he's been breeding for years and years and years. He's almost in his 50s and he's one of the old school cats out here. And he uh, bred a uh, DJ short male from uh, the 90s with uh, the train wreck and made uh, train wreck blueberry. And that is probably one of the most unique and one of my favorite uh, uh varieties to grow and smoke
4: sounds good mm-hmm. there's so many combinations that work with and play with this it's never-ending i just got enough room i just want to do it all <laughs> look at them seeds i got in my packs and oh when can i pop these
9: <laughs> my
4: name is brandon and i'm addicted to growing cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad addiction.
2: I was going it's to say... <laughs> sorry, as, as someone coming from a, a plant count limited state from one to another, do you find that because you have a 24 plant count limit, do you grow big plants or bigger plants?
4: I try to, yes. I'm growing like four per thousand lot right now. I, I actually do better when I do two or three, but i got so many things that i'm trying to flower out and test and see what is i go ahead and put four in there sometimes five but it's uh
6: what kind of training do you do
4: oh not much i top and uh shave off the legs pretty good just where the tops are yeah. light keep the bottoms trimmed up as much as i can i can't Get down like I used to. You just grow a scrog, but I can't get that down underneath the screen to harvest them anymore. So I let them grow natural with stakes.
6: Yeah, harvesting out of a scrog is a pain. I mean,
9: doing anything it under is. the scrog is a pain too. Yeah, yeah. I have so many stakes in my garden that it is ridiculous, <laughs> and it takes yeah. time. I velcro so everything going up, and I will spend you know, I four hours just velcroing stuff. Let's velcro <laughs> this. Let's grow this. The grill glue, the grill glue, in my opinion, uh, it, it it will grow really nice, solid, chunky buds. And uh, but it doesn't have a whole lot of support, and they always need to be staked.
6: Yeah, they definitely need to be staked. I um, I mainlined mine, and they were, what I really liked about growing the the GG4 was sort of, it, it was a very friendly plant to grow. It was totally willing to just sort of keep growing out laterally and, and wouldn't turn around and, and just sort of bolt back up towards the roof of the tent, which a lot of plants try to do. So yeah. I really enjoyed it. It kind of was a well-behaved plant that would go where I wanted it to.
4: Yeah, you got to control it, though, or it'll flop all over the place.
6: Yeah, no, it definitely requires support to to prop up the colas, but I mean, I'm used to that with whenever you mainline a plant or manifold it, you're going to have to do that, so. I was
1: wondering if there's any uh, strain-specific tips you might have while we're kind of going down that route uh, to growing it. Um, I've noticed the same thing. I've got a supporter a lot. More than I would maybe some other plants, but uh, you mentioned before that it's kind of a low feeder. You don't you don't think it needs you don't you want to be careful not to overfeed her. is there anything else?
4: No, not not really. Uh, I just see too many people pumping up, you know, two thousand ppm or high EC, whatever which one you might use. But it's totally don't need it in cocoa anyway. Uh, yeah, 2, I definitely 100. second that. is enough to make it do what you want to produce.
5: I think across the board, people overfeed their plants and uh, GG4 is just one of many examples of plants that could do better if people gave a little less nutrient.
6: Yeah, I I agree. I think 1.2 is is pretty much a solid fertigation in cocoa, especially if you're doing um, fertigation at every event. I I would almost never recommend growers go much above 1.2 for inflow. Um, So, yeah, I would probably um, want to grow GG4 a little lower, maybe right around 1.0.
4: Yeah, probably possible, because I have a tendency to overdo stuff myself.
6: Yeah. And of that 1.0, of course, a lot of it's going to be CalMAG. Um, so the actual base NER is, is a pretty light load, um, but again, you don't need to, they're not fertilizer dependent usually, and I really agree. I think that that's a great point. Baked Pawn
3: asks, does the guest sell seeds or have a seed bank distributor?
4: Not yet. Uh, we are supposed to have a release very soon, a pure sativa in the UK, some S1s and a karma Collab with Headbanger.
5: i'm excited and, to hear that karma's um, got some good stuff
4: i'm uh, working on something for here in the u.s but it's nothing's finalized yet still getting my peat wet and the seed, seed business like i said I'm, I'm not a breeder i'm pollen checker from way back but as far as being a karma or sam the skunk man i'm not that big and never will be but i'm just trying to do what I can do and take my business where I can take it well, I would give a shout, <coughs> out, shout out to my my partner I have now a cat she uh, helps run the business or does run the business and I take care of the seed making growing and playing hunting. so if cat hears this we love you
5: Shout out to Cat right there. Behind every great man and Great Woman. I always heard. Cat woman. Uh, it, and I
9: think her Instagram handle is cat underscore uh G if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay.
6: That's cat underscore GG Strains.
4: Mine is Josie Wells 1 at GG Strands.
3: Maybe someone should write in the chat.
4: Yeah, hold on, guys. Let me
0: see.
5: I always misspell Josie. Sorry.
4: I, <laughs> I, uh, I spell I it up wrong. every time. Yeah, I spelled it wrong on purpose. I didn't want Clint Eastwood suing me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you, I mean, it is, it's pretty obvious, but is that where you got the name from from the movie?
4: Yeah, one of my favorite movies. That's funny. That was my
1: my dad's favorite movie. I've seen that movie probably 50 times. (laughs)
4: Me too. I watch it every time it comes on. I'm an old cowboy. I grew up in the farm and horses and roping and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Bean farm in Colorado, so I got farming in my blood. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Hey, um, Josie, moving forward, I mean, where do you see, uh, you know, you know, so I'm curious, I mean, since, you know, since growing, since consuming cannabis is legal in Canada, is that a market that your company has targeted? Are you guys currently in Canada right now?
4: Not currently, but vastly close to signing a deal. I can't say with who or when, but I've been negotiating for a couple months now.
3: You well, you heard it here first. <laughs> That's interesting. Yes.
9: I have a question. I, I have a question, and this is one of the things that is kind of like a thing that pertains to the industry in a whole. Um, I know that there is a lot of uh, people who. Who are interested in cannabis branding and there's a lot of different people from, you know, actors to musicians, um, that all, you know, they're doing licensing deals with uh, large companies. If you have something that you want to be associated with a quality product, are you carefully selecting the companies that you do business with and is there any way that you, you can do like a quality check to make sure that end user is getting what you originally intended.
4: Yes, yes, that's where I miss my partner, Ross, so much for because he that physically go to the grow facilities and check out the grows. And uh, I'm on dialysis every night, so I pretty bad bound at home due to my home to that dialysis. So I'm not being able to travel. I'm trying to break my son in he's some years old, you know, nothing about growing his dad been growing all his life, but he doesn't know nothing. So I'm trying to break him in to take Ross's place and uh, do that sort of thing. And uh, the branding part of it to me is very important that for his future and his kids uh, yeah. future because I'm not gonna last, you know, maybe another five years and I'll be gone. So
9: I I can see this is kind of an emotional subject for you. I'm sorry if I I hit uh, an emotional Um, chord. You know, I think that you have you have a lot of passion, and uh, again, I'm so so sorry for your loss. And uh, you know, if you know if there's anything I can ever do, you just reach out. I'd love to be able to help anyone that I can.
4: Well, thank you. It's just something we all got to deal with. You know, life is not forever, so it's hard to deal with sometimes and you move on
0: Josie I'm curious like when um when your partner um well again I don't mean to bring up a sort subject but I mean it's all right you know thank you um when he when you said that he inspected facilities I mean you know, I mean, can you? I'm I'm really curious about that. I mean, what exactly did he look for? I mean, I mean, what are some telltale signs of a good facility versus a bad facility? And really, I mean, how do you actually make sure that company is doing what they said? You know, that that they are actually going to do.
4: Well, basically, we look at how, what kind of growers there are. We can go and look at the product they're producing and see the plants and know if they're overfeeding or they got power in mildew or are they worth signing for a contract? And you know, the metric system, we that's how we can tell if they're if they're producing our genetics and selling our genetics. That's the only way we can track and trace it. That's why we prefer states that are tracked and traced on all their products. the broke facilities
0: yes i'm curious do you use any uh do you use any special software for for that process no sir no okay you know i i asked because i did a i did a podcast with a gentleman approximately like a year and a half uh yeah he was one of my first podcasters and um i forgot well this was a while ago and yeah, I mean, he was, his company was a seed to sale software company. And let me see if I can, let me see if I can find it. Uh, let me see here. Um, I mean, you look for that.
5: Josie, do you know of uh, Brothers Grimm and Mr. Soul?
4: I know of him, yes.
5: I just ask because um, I see what he's doing right now in Colorado. And he's pretty successfully, in my opinion, expanding to most of the legal markets and getting his seeds and getting his product on shelves. Um, and I think you might even see it in Vegas. Um, they're out there. So I was curious if maybe, cause I think he's an old ICMA guy as well. And if you guys had ever talked and, uh, I feel I like actually, sometimes you guys could stick together and maybe he could show you how to get into these markets. Like he has been able to,
4: I haven't associated with him. My partner, Ross had talked to uh, Sol S O L. Whatever his name, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. Yeah,
5: it's Mr. Soul, S O U L, and it, it, it's Mr. underscore C 99. He's the guy who bred the Cinderella 99 yeah. plant.
4: Yeah, we had talked about doing a, a collab with him, but he decided not to and went his own way. So uh, I don't, can't say nothing good or bad about the man. I don't know him. But uh, I don't know exactly what he's doing with his seeds, how he's working it, but. Uh, Back to the software question I, I you know you asked the wrong guy about that because what cat does on her end keep track of all this stuff the money coming in the projections and that sort of thing is all her end of the job she really runs the company.
0: Okay.
5: It's important to know what we're good at, right? You know, you're doing the stuff that you're uh, best at and you're allowing other people to take their time so you don't have to. Um, you know, doing things that you <laughs> <laughs> I
4: have no choice. I have no choice. She's a sweetheart. She does a good job.
2: We had a question in the chat, and I'm curious about right now because I'm growing one of your crosses. Um, Lord Blueberry asks, what does Josie think of people using your genetics to breed
4: with? Well with GE4, it's it's given away so you're open to read with it, but just label it as what it is. If it's a cross, it's a cross, it's not grow 4, how much you breed it, it's whatever you cross it with by grill four. So I don't, I don't know the honesty to me is the most important thing in that part of the deal.
3: Personally, I really like that. I like that outlook, that sentiment. Because then you can't. I mean, as long as the credit is given, you know, like if I made something personally and like people knew of it, and as long as people knew where who who like uh, is the progenitor of that particular uh, cultivar, like I would be okay with that. Probably, I mean, for the most part, I don't think it would be bitter about that sort of a thing, really. But I guess um, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that it is wrong to uh, be any other way. But I do like the sentiment behind that. Well, thank
4: you. I do get pissed sometimes when I see somebody selling seed to GD4 and I know it's not. So <laughs> I do got my moments.
9: I, I, uh, someone who does a lot of, uh, glue glue for, it, um, Again, I always, you know, make sure that I label everything appropriately. And, uh, and, um, but I, I, I always found really, uh, and, uh, one of the things that I think people do too, is they don't, it's a lot of misinformation, uh, people aren't that word credit to do so. I kinda bring this thing together because I do try to always say, Hey
4: into a dispensary here one time and I started asking about grill group what they had when they had grill group four and had grill group five and had grill group one I said how, how do you know these are real oh they're real well you know the guy that made them you know you do what's his name oh Sam somebody <laughs> you know I just, I just got so mad I had to walk out the damn shop because I just couldn't control my mouth or so Yes, you know, know, the bud tenders, they don't know a little better, but I just, it's amazing that the uh, educated part of the business. There's a
9: lot of bad practices when it comes to uh, bud tenders and and the knowledge that they actually possess, and it's not their fault. I think it's the uh, people who are running the the places, and then. So much misinformation. I get ruined. I I've, I've dealt with it too. Where you're like, you no, know, you have your baby, and like you've made this thing, and you go into a place. This is what this is. These are the genetics. This is what it's all. And then you go back in there. You know, a week later, and they're like, oh, well, we had something called this and this, so we decided to call it this. And you're just like, yeah, slapping your. You're just like, dude. you're slapping yourself in the face. It's
4: like, what are you guys doing? You know, I'm trying to market this as this is what it is. You find that so often in the dispensaries that they will take anything that's not selling and change the name to grow and sell it off my name, actually, that I created to use to fill their pockets. So it's you know, it's a greedy part of the business that we can't control. So, Yeah, That's and in the process
6: I, that they do that, they actually hurt your brand.
4: They hurt the brand. They hurt the consumers. They, wow. they're, they're screwing everybody. I've had so many tell, people tell me, you know, I smoked GG4. It wasn't nothing special. It's highly overrated. I, I tell them, well, obviously, you haven't smoked a real GG4. But, you know, some people That's what don't I would like say. It. I can accept it you know if they don't like it that's that's cool too but going
5: back a little bit to the bud tender thing i think a lot of the time dispensaries are just kind of hiring the prettiest girl they can find like lady greenstock used to work at a storefront and they would have three different blue dreams one was the bottom one was the mid one was the top shelf Mm -hmm. and sometimes they'd have a fourth one from a different grower and it's like it's just crazy (laughs) and what is she supposed to do when there's four different blue dreams like someone even an informed customer comes in you look at four different blue dreams and you're like, what's going on?
6: Yeah, Yeah, I completely agree with uh, sort of the, the aesthetic seems to be the more important thing than than the knowledge for being hired to be a bud tender. Sure. Um, and I think that that's sort of endemic in our, in our in the cannabis industry. And I don't like that's one of the reasons I don't like A.N. and their marketing strategy. Who? advanced nutrients who uses the same sort of sex sells marketing strategy for cannabis i just don't think it's necessary
4: no it's not everybody likes boobies and ass but it doesn't need to be on selling bud or nutrients
6: yeah i mean you don't need that at your pharmacy right i mean you don't choose the pharmacy because of how attractive the pharmacists are i mean yeah
4: I, I might. I might.
6: <laughs> it it does seem a
3: little tangential, to say the least, right?
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, guys, um, Bad Bunny Nutrients asks, "What made you name it Gorilla Glue?"
4: Oh, it was the first time M- MarDog and I was shopping. It well, was chopping and trimming, and I got a phone call on him old flip phone. The same type of lost that started this whole deal and I went to put it down after talked to whoever it was that called me and the poem was stuck to my hand so I said, this shit is just like Gorilla Glue. and that stuck as pun no pun intended but it did hmm.
0: okay I love that um and also uh Josie you have another question here what was what was the well I, you may have answered this but what was the cross that gg4 was made from asks red state rebels
4: again it was uh sourdough by kim's sister okay that her made to the chocolate diesel and that made you gg4
0: there you go red state rebels there's your answer sir in the chat I think it's funny that so many
5: amazing strains come from a Hermie. Like if we look at OG Kush,
4: oh, yeah. yes, it came from yes. a
5: Hermie. If we look at ChemDog91, which has been literally going around from 91, it was from dog bud, you know, bag seed. It's unbelievable to me that they're still like the most popular on the market.
4: Yeah, we still get ragged on for not being a breeder. I, I mean, I that you, think that, oh, sorry. I say, that you, you know, if I didn't have those genetics, I had in my room at the time, it wouldn't happen. So I'm the breeder, but I might not be a breeder like Karma or Sam, but uh, I still bred that plant.
5: <laughs> you put all the things in place, all the pieces were in place for the situation to happen.
4: You That's have really right. good
5: gear and really good gear oftentimes when it crosses to other really good gear, makes amazing exactly. stuff.
3: So
4: exactly.
3: I mean, I've definitely taken. I've, I've told the story many times about how uh, a poinsettia grower had a uh, a line of poinsettia that got infected with a phytoplasma. At the time, they didn't even know what that what a phytoplasma even was, but it can transmit from the parent to the offspring, and it made the plants grow differently in a way that they could cultivate better, and so they became very popular. And like sometimes, a, an accident like that can have such a fundamental shift. Um, in growing procedure, I think that I love stories like that personally.
4: Not only I know you growing, but in science, uh, penicillin, for example, is an accident. And was out of Graham Bell and the phone was an accident. You know, it just goes on and on. Viagra you know, you was a heart medicine when they come around
6: yeah lateral- it's a great word
4: oh absolutely <laughs> yeah. yeah
3: laterally moving and uh having a novel idea like well what if we just did this but with that and like so many like lateral thoughts like that have been um ha- have been useful in human history certainly
4: well shame said the, the most important thing to me is having good next and you grow at all times so if an accident does happen you can Count kind of like being a nice accident, not our hemp or something. So it's just very important to me to help top genetics or what I think is top genetics.
5: Bob Ross always said happy little accidents. I think when he'd make a mistake in painting, he'd just turn it into like a bush or happy little trees.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
5: <laughs> uh, speaking,
9: speaking of genetics, well, one of the things that I, um, uh, that I personally believe is that there was a lot of uh, variance and a lot of the genetics from uh, like the mid 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, and there was a lot of different uh, flavor profiles that were expressed uh, different on these different varieties. And um, well, I was wondering if there was any, uh, you know, if any of the panel members uh you know have grown any uh, really old varieties and what their experiences with those were because i know that nowadays we have a lot of like polyhybrids and uh a lot of like hype stuff that just cross cross back into to each other and so i i wonder if uh, you know if there's any any uh you know opinions on some of the some of the older stuff
3: so a lot of a lot of cultivated plants Tend to have like weird things like that happen like like those like introgression and like different selection pressures and things like that. Um, I'm not really a genomicist or anything like that, but um, I know that that cultivation practices can cause some really interesting things to happen a lot of times those mutations if they are mutations um, and not just phenotypic changes. um, Which I guess you know that that's. I'm not being very articulate, but I suppose what I mean is that uh, a small little shift and change, like I was saying before, um, can can just be so fundamentally different. And I don't know. I I, I don't think there's anything any shame in that. As long as, and then when you do like a sequencing, find out what that is. It's possible that you might even be able to uh, make something and more efficient and hone that.
4: True. Back to his question about the old genetics. Uh, when I started growing, I guess it was nineteen eighty when I actually did my first indoor grow. I built a metal building in Phoenix, Arizona, is thirty eight foot by forty two foot, and uh, I started growing Mexican bag seed. You know, they were. I didn't know nothing about growing except what was in High Times magazine. I got a bare bones HID well bare bones kit out of there or 13 of them and bootlegged the power <laughs> just you know made it made it work but uh i went to san diego with somebody and got the first indica i ever seen it wouldn't have a name it just indica that's all it was when who knows what fancy name it has now but it was a short little squat plant. It just tasted marvelous. You know, it's something that I'd never tasted before. Can I ask you what year this was? Pardon me? The year that you went to San Diego to get the cut? Had to be about 1982, somewhere in there. A guy named Steve took me over there, and a guy named Squeaky had to plant.
5: <laughs> in those
9: That's
4: days, right. there was really. Did you just say squeak? Did you just say squeaky? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yep. He wouldn't let us see the girl or nothing. i was kind of mad that these zonies come over to California to get something, but we went home with the cut and thank our lucky stars. I might be able to find out what that cut was that you got. Yeah, that would be amazing.
5: So the name, back in those days, it was before um, Scentsy Seeds, or what was originally just called the Seed Bank, um, out of Holland with Neville Shoemaker, who just passed away, I think it was this year or last year, and he's responsible for a lot of the genetics. Like we were talking about OG Kush a little bit earlier, um, one that I personally enjoy a lot that comes from Hindu Kush that hermaphrodited onto Emerald Triangle, and that started in Florida. And then Josh D, his part of the story is he popped it out in LA and that's where the OG Kush started. So that's an early nineties thing as
4: well. That's neat. There's accidents, that's so neat.
5: A lot of the stuff though in the nineties came from that Sensi seeds early days, like the NL, NL5, um, NL5 haze. Those became a lot of people's like best line. Like there's a Washington Heights haze in New York or the Cuban black haze in Miami. And those yeah. are both just NL5 haze crosses, allegedly.
4: You never knows. If, you know that's what's neat about this new genetic marking deal. So someday people will know exactly what they have and what was used to sequence the next to get what they have. It's just, it's just amazing to me. What you do you think?
9: What Go do ahead. you think about um, the the hash plant varieties? Because I, from my understanding, from a lot of old school cats. Um, before there was a whole lot of, uh, different names before the white widows and the Northern Lights, there was a lot of, um, imported like Pakistani, Afghani hash plant production plants. And those were really popular in the early eighties. And, um, they, do you have any, any background on, uh, any of the hash plants? Do you have any information on that you might be able to share?
4: not really just just like I said back then there wasn't any names on that stuff you know I think Northern Lights was maybe the first strain ever named that I know of Uh, but uh I don't even know that for sure it was just indica or sativa or
5: skunk number one I think and uh Calio they're a little bit predating that
4: could be Um, true too
5: sacred seeds was around in the 80s um in cultivator's choice a little bit before that Sam the skunk man was part of that crew before he went off to Holland and did the hard farm thing. Um, But in the 70s, there was Afghani, but after the 70s, the Soviets invaded Afghanistan and that actually disrupted some of the original hash producing areas in Afghanistan that had previously been untouched for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. So the Afghan before that era was really sort of a special thing. And also um, from Pakistan, There's a strain called 79 Christmas bud or the pine tar kush, which is a Pakistani um, hash plant so interesting just some old genetics that come from before strain names were really a thing.
4: I'm sure those strains came over here and intermingled with what we had as far as the sativas have come out of Mexico and what the old heads in California were growing and that's how we got where we are now.
3: There's some interesting. There's some there's some interesting phytopla- phytoplasms coming from here on in um, India and even China and also there are some in North America as well, but um, like that's one thing about like taking the uh, populations, the the wild and even the land race populations that have been more or less untouched for a long period of time. I'm curious about the possibility for pathogens to be passed for those who don't who didn't test maybe in the past for all we know. Like with cannabis cryptic virus, there could be other like odd little interesting things that are hitchhiking in those populations, even from parent to offspring.
4: I'm sure there is. You know, just finding a land race now that is, is, is a land race is, I, I think, really practically impossible because there's been so many genetics traveled around the world. I'm sure there's some in Pakistan and places, you know, maybe South America that's never been touched by. Us growers that are still growing land race stuff, but getting better and finding them and getting seeds from it's, you know. else will anything. I'd love to be young enough to go do that. It's not the world for those specific genetics. You know, what's great. You know, it's uh, really interesting. Speaking of like kind
9: of like land race is I was gifted seeds by by a friend who I met online uh, guarding the lost herbs. and he uh, has family that lives in, like, Siberia in Russia, and he went and hunted cannabis at a feral field, so wild fields that are uncultivated. Um, And he said that it's probably a mix of a lot of different Russian and Asian varieties, kind of, that just, self-pollinated each other but they were all autoflower varieties and i actually use that variety to breed with and i hit um i did an open pollination on the gorilla glue four and i'm kind of uh, curious to see you know what happens with it it's it's a really interesting concept to uh, take something like a, a really strong strong poly hybrid and then cross it back to something that's
5: feral I also agree with that plant more seeds is doing a lot of this Bodhi, he's also known as at Bodie or he, on Instagram he's at plant more seeds because he has like four seed companies one is Nyrika, where he does just land race preservation um one of the, I'm growing one of his crosses it's 88 g13 hash plant crossed to forum girl scout cookie so he takes sort of like old school stuff and crosses it into the new hype with his Bodhi seed line But speaking of land race, um, Franco, uh, the guy who was working with a greenhouse seed company who Mm -hmm. passed away, he had got some seeds in the Congo and uh, phylos is able to test the homozygousness of uh, genetic and they it just shows like how stable or how similar it is to the other things in that line. And they said that the line from Franco from the Congo was the most homozygous or most like stable line that they'd ever seen.
4: Hmm.
5: My understanding that the way that they would sequence that is um not comprehensive
3: enough actually but again i'm not a genomicist i just heard that somewhere i just don't wanna, know either
1: i just want to jump in real quick here because i'm more kind of a plant guy i'm i wanted to ask brandon what did that look like when you grew that out when you were doing that that pollination where those uh seeds
9: um okay so i had an extremely difficult time uh, germinating the seeds and I have a uh, my suspicion is that they needed to be uh, winterized so I my theory is like this right so I've never had a more difficult time popping seeds and I think they needed to have cold temperatures before they were able to germinate but the ones I did uh, get to germinate um, they the ones that survived Uh, They all turned out male because I had about 10 out of about 50 germinate and then I ended up just killing them off because they had too much, like the the soil was too fertile and I think that he just kind of wanted to be left alone and they kind of just wanted to, you know, I think they're maybe uh, genetically disposed to just being in a survival mode. You know, so they don't need a whole lot of water. They don't need a whole lot of nutrients. And so whenever I tried to even just water, uh, they would just die. Um, So it was weird. The only ones that really survived were the males that I had in solo cups. And they were so stressed out and they did really well, which was really, really weird. Um, So. So what I did is I uh, I just did an open pollination where um, I had taken a couple of uh, grill Glue uh, four clones and I had thrown them outside and it was a little early I had expected them to veg so I can get them really big but they instantly flowered and so they were in about in flowering for about three weeks and then I hit them with that uh, open pollination and you know, I have been collecting seeds over the last couple of days, getting them dried out. And then I have a bunch of three-gallon pots with some just basic, really basic soil mixed up. And I hope to, you know, pop some seeds and see what I get out of it just because I'm, I'm really curious. You know, I'm really curious to see what,
4: what can come of it. I am too, Brandon. And on that deal about the winterizing... I had made some seeds about six months ago and had about 50% germination rate. So I took them all and put them in the freezer for 24 hours and got a 100% germ rate on them. From just being in the freezer for 24 hours. Uh, you know what? I'm having the
9: most difficult time popping the uh, Afghani bull rider uh, reverse back cross, which was a staple down in, in San Diego for a long time. Um, and I'm going to try to do that. I have enough seeds where I can experiment. I have a bunch of different things going, but they're, I'm having a difficult time so far. But I'm hoping that I can bring some of the uh, staples from San Diego back.
3: You know, Brandon, recently you gifted me some seeds that were very large. And um, I think you mentioned that you don't really know where they came from. Um, and if that's the case, I'm curious if anyone knows if there are any like cultivars or anything that that is associated with like much larger seeds than like the usual size.
9: So everything that I gave to you Matt was things that I had bred myself. Um, I think I had given you some ones that were just labeled with question marks and that was just because it was my own. Uh, fault at not paying close enough attention to uh, what I was doing or not, you know, writing everything down in my journal. And then I remember that I gave you some seeds that were marked land race, right? Indoor land race. What's an indoor land race, you say? Uh, I had so much projects going on um, at one point because I am uh, obsessive compulsive about popping seeds and making new stuff. I can't help myself. Um, what I ended up doing was I had originally started off with a blueberry train wreck. I crossed that with purple kush. Um, that got crossed into a sour diesel. Um, and I kind of had this ongoing thing where like I would every once in a while where whenever I'd find like a, a, a Hermi pollen or a banana while I was trimming. I would isolate it, right, and and every once in a while I'd end up with like a couple of nanners, right, out of, you know, a couple of pounds or whatever, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to take this, and I'd uh, break it up, put it on a Q-tip, and then I'd rub it on something that I really liked, and I did that for like two years straight, and then uh, I was growing out seeds, checking, making sure nothing was too unstable or nothing was unstable, and that's kind of where I came up with that little thing, and I the the from my experience whenever i grow those you just get a huge huge expression of different um you know different characteristics different flavors different um you know different uh morphological characteristics in the way they grow uh they have different you know nutrient mineral needs but it, it was just something that i did as kind of a you know impulsively i guess
5: To so your question matt about seed size i know that some breeders i can't think of the specific lines have mentioned that like certain strains produce extremely tiny seeds and other ones produce giant seeds and like they've tried to get it to not do that like they want it to be more of a regular size and they whatever they tried just didn't work so it seems strongly associated with whatever the line of genetics it comes from and you sort of can't dictate it as a breeder at least from the breeders i've heard talk about it
3: interesting for, for both of you I really appreciate the input because um, I know I, I was reading a research report that talked about how like phylogenetically not not like within a certain species but in general like um, size of the seed was correlated with a few interesting traits about like um, genetic variability and the and adaptation or rather it's a abil- some the ability for like the plant to kind of um, be vulnerable to like speciation and, and change rapidly um, within a few generations. Anyways, interesting thing. I just thought perhaps it might be relevant to cannabis for people who are trying to grow and uh, breed. That's
9: actually a really interesting point, Matt, because it, when you talk about a plant's ability to uh, adapt and change, uh, I would think that what I was doing would cause extreme variations in, uh, in the genetics. And that's something that, that would be a really interesting thing to test out. And I wonder how, how he could go about doing it because that's, that's definitely an interesting concept.
1: Well, I have heard, um, I believe it was Subcool mentioned that he noticed when he switched from HID lighting to led lighting, his seeds, uh, became smaller so it may have something to do with the lighting if you're using the uh HID HPS lighting maybe you're going to get a bigger seed and possibly if you switch to a a different light source like the uh LEDs you can make smaller seeds. it might have something to do with the heat or whatever I don't know
5: I just I was just gonna say I I,
3: I could see that that would be that could be a possible uh factor I could see that
5: Growing subcool seeds out, I noticed they were very small and they like started off a little bit slower, but they after a few weeks caught up. And the guy that I was growing them next to, that I mentioned earlier, Doja DNA, he grew outdoor in a greenhouse under the sun, so that spectrum is going to be a lot fuller, I would imagine, than any light anyone could put over top of their plants indoor. Um, so that's something to think about. Since
3: um, cannabinoids decay reliably in the presence of ultraviolet light, and also um you know, anthro, uh, anthocyanins and things like that that will work kind of like melatonin does in or melanin in uh, in animal pigmentation. Um, it's possible that that's what we're seeing is that sort of reaction, but um, it's too bad that the cannabinoids maybe don't protect as much or maybe it could just be some sort of a uh, different stimulation, maybe the plant, uh, who knows, that's why I really support like looking into the um, sort of the
5: metagenetic thing going on with regards to cannabis. Mass Medical Strains is a, another breeder and they talked about when they use their cob or chip on board LED lighting, they get a much higher volume or number of seeds. Like It's like maybe three or four times higher, I think, than other lights that they had tested. And that was really interesting to me. And um, actually one of the things that was kind of why I moved over to Cobb. I wonder if they would, it'd be great to hear from them see
1: if uh, their, the actual size of the seed had changed when they made the switch, especially if they've grown the same plant multiple times. Under
5: that the they have. I know they've done great pupil. Um, it's like their line, That their sort of their flagship, it's like a purple strain, and they've grown it under tons of different lights. So I'm sure you could DM them or maybe we could try and get them on the show sometime because um, I've referenced them probably a zillion times on the show.
3: I'd be really interested because I think it's an, an interesting trait and just coming from like a traditional ag mentality about it. Um, what like bigger seed could translate into uh, a bigger germ and what what exactly is larger would be interesting to know, but like also it could be good for like hemp seed biomass and or, or, or rather um, uh, for like for like uh, as like a seed like for food even or for uh, a bunch of other. Um, uh, possibilities.
6: Yeah, I haven't read into this in a while. I, I do recall some other research with other crops. It seems farmers I think um, almost universally select larger seeds to save to plant. Um, but when they I remember this with corn and with some varieties of beans, um, the larger seeds are not always the the most viable or produce the best plants. Um, But they do have a strong sort of bias. So farmers, including cannabis home growers, I think always want to select them. Um, I got two seeds of uh, Jack Herrera and one of them was like three times bigger than the other seed. So I was only going to pop one and I certainly popped the larger one
3: yeah i mean like it certainly would have some advantages and some disadvantages for all you know all contexts you know um but yeah i do think that's a good point like a lot of times there is a bias towards getting larger seed um and ostensibly i would think yeah. it would at least have a bigger energy source in the beginning but you're right it might not have the same right mind.
6: but i mean as long as they get through the beginning then that becomes moot after like 3 days right and you're more interested in other aspects of the genetics other than the size of the seed so um I totally agree with that. Yeah, i think that you you can't really tell much but again there's sort of an overwhelming bias. So when you when i was looking at the two seeds and one of them was much bigger than the other i was like yeah i'm going to do the bigger one i mean it's was hard to kind of convince myself to go the other way. So I'm
5: going to throw out something kind of a little devil's advocate. I've gone for like the smaller ones because in my experience, like the runty plants, the small yielding plants, the ugly ones, the really slow growers at first, typically in my experience have been like just anecdotally really potent or extremely flavorful. So I've always just like out of a challenge to try and get them to grow better and bigger. Um, And also another thing I've heard a lot of breeders talk about is when they're breeding they don't always pick the male that is like the first to throw pollen or the biggest and fastest and most vigorous because oftentimes that's um, sort of old traits of hemp and it breeds sort of lower thc if you get like sometimes and it depends on what lines you're working with and how much cbd is in there already but some of them have thrown the idea out there that they believe the more vigorous isn't always necessarily better that totally makes sense to me
9: right yeah i was mostly thinking
5: yeah. I was just mostly
3: thinking applications for like a um, like, uh, seed oil or uh, that kind of thing.
6: If you, if you look at the male donor plants that they use for the commercial varieties of corn, you would be like shocked and dismayed. They're the runtiest little like terrible looking plants um, that would never produce anything on their own, but they, they produce excellent pollen, um, homozygotic pollen that can be crossed with the female. And that um, speaks
5: to the IBL, right? Because we talked earlier, uh, Josie was saying from Mycotech, his IBL from uh, GG4 was kind of runty and couldn't throw that much pollen. But maybe it's just extremely
6: homozygous, so it's great to breed with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there can be some, some significant depression in a plant that really is purely homozyg- homozygotic like that. It's when <laughs> you cross it then with something else that unlocks, you know, it, it makes it totally heterozygotic and, and unlocks the heterosis that
7: makes a so lot speaking, of sense speaking of the uh run and and uh, plants, um, isn't that why you uh, uh trashed gg3
6: uh, your mic was really tough yeah. i didn't hear that chef I, I was speaking of
7: about uh, the stunted the stunted and not so vigorous plants um isn't that why you uh trashed uh gg3 does uh, i I believe that's what he said but he's not in the chat at the moment
0: chef can you can you try and clear that up your mic is really bad buddy
7: yeah i'm just in a different area Uh sure i think
8: it's brandon
0: was it brandon is that you brandon
9: Oh, I'm sorry. It might be. Hold on, I'm trying to.
5: Just make sure you mute your mic if you're not talking. Right. Yeah, that's it. The American
3: one's talking. Uh, as I was, I've been talking in the chat a little bit. And a shout out to the American one. Um, he was mentioning that uh, hemp made for seed or an oil um, is typically uh, way bigger,
5: according to him. Just an interesting tidbit. Yeah, that about, certainly makes sense. Just with seed breeding, I saw a visual demonstration with mammoth pea. Um, Colin from Ethos Genetics posted when he used no mammoth pea. The beneficial microbe, um, and when he used Mammoth B, the seeds actually weighed more when he used the beneficial microbes, and they were more higher percent, were a darker sort of tiger stripe seed, less were like that gray uh, green or unviable looking seed. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I
3: mean, like, just speaks to how much morphology can be uh, affected by how you grow in the in the in the actual cycle uh genetics you know notwithstanding if you really want to go deep down the rabbit hole I, i'm i i
1: can not i wish i could quote exactly where i heard this but uh i remember somebody it might have been colin bell that they have seen in early research that if the both breeding
9: plants are infected by a certain fungi for example that it, that that fungi
1: if it makes that symbiotic relationship with the plant can actually be carried into the seed itself too so that the offspring of that plant would also already be pre-inoculated.
3: Yeah, seed endophytes are a thing and pathogens can also take advantage of that. Botrytis is one example of this. Although it's not necessarily documented in cannabis, it is in other plants.
1: So going back to the mammoth pea, maybe one of the four strains in there is uh, is capable of doing that. It would maybe count for maybe a little extra weight in in each seed because of that maybe. I don't know. That's just a theory.
9: (laughs)
3: Possibly, although I doubt it would be like from the tissue. It might. It might be from like, um, maybe even modulation of uh, of of the genes. Like mycorrhizal fungi can do that. Um, on contact with a, an interesting like three way handshake genetically. So, such a fascinating thing to uh, talk about, but um, you need you. There are so many disciplines involved that's hard to really, as someone who isn't part of the vast majority of them, to like keep up on in, uh, in total
5: comprehension. So just to give a little bit of a stat for the ethos thing I mentioned earlier, the non-beneficial microbes average weight of the seed was 15 milligrams versus the beneficial microbes had a 20 milligram. So it was a five milligram, uh, increase on average across a large batch of seeds from the same genetic Mandarin cookies, R2. That is pretty
3: significant. I guess it would be beneficial but only if like the seeds that you're growing after like are like you were saying before like you know that that might be good the the result might be good but if the plant doesn't grow well just like you just like in all the uh in all the cases it has to grow well right no matter what exactly it's got to have at least the baseline <laughs> it has to grow well
0: hey guys are heavier seeds more money Josh Colbert asks in the chat. No,
5: I've never seen seeds sold by weight unless you're nah. buying like a kilo of them to sell as a seed bank. Um, I think most people are buying seeds in one, three, five, t- or ten packs as far as like a small consumer goes. And those are always going to be sold by the amount and have a cost associated with that amount. Not ever have I seen one sold by weight. i feel like the seeds
3: would have to get quite big for that to be important no um, i want the skinny seed
6: discount i want the skinny seed discount man if they send little gray seeds little skinny seeds take five bucks off
3: i mean yeah no i mean like yeah put the put the price down a lot so everyone yeah instead that is what i meant
0: yeah um you know some guys i mean here's a here's a question for you guys i mean why well, I mean, why the hell seeds are, why are they so much money? All the time. Is of laws? Mm.
6: Yeah, it's sort of the market dynamics too. It has to do with the extent like, sort of the amount of, of demand that, that's available to support them and, and the supply issues. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's a lot of legal issues involved too. I think a certain amount is
5: the value of the crop that they produce. I mean, cannabis is still federally illegal, which makes the ounce or pound price extremely high. So if you're buying a seed for five to $10 a seed, it might seem extremely high compared to like a tomato. But when you're harvesting like three or four ounces or maybe even a pound off of that plant, that pound is going to be worth so much more. And granted, you have to invest in the electricity and nutrients and things of that nature and time cultivating it. But the seed is what allowed it to happen.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And the difference at that point between a five dollar seed and a, like a thirty dollar seed in terms of the total investment in the grow is so marginal that it really wouldn't be a significant economic factor for for most commercial grows either. I think that if you're paying too much attention to the value of the seeds, you're losing sight of the larger picture.
3: I feel like there there is potential for the for the value of the crop to match that absolutely.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to imagine a plant producing $25 worth of more product or producing, you know, product that's qualitatively worth $25 more. I mean, it's not hard to imagine that at all. Um, and sort of the, the griping and moaning about some of the costs of seeds. Now, I, I think that the luxury pricing that goes on in seeds is a bit of a problem as well, that people intentionally sort of um, overprice things to make them seem more attractive or appealing than they actually would be. And I suspect that that's the case with a lot of the sort of luxury
9: priced seeds. Can, can I say something as uh, somebody who, I, I don't consider myself a breeder, but I, I do make seeds. Um, I think that uh, the prices uh, a lot of people put on seeds are exuberant. Um, and the problem I think is even if you make like s1s even if you test them uh, you have to do a lot of work to get like to a point where you have something that's going to be kind of uniform or stable Uh, you're never going to have genetically identical stock and and one of the things is um, unless you have genetically identical stock you never know what you're going to get and i think people often advertise uh, as like this is what you're going to get when you have the seed, uh, this is the, you know, this is what it's going to smell like, this is the potency, and those variables are, are so widely ranging from, uh, you know, variables, from different variables, different factors, different growing styles, that I think there's a lot of misinformation when it comes to that, and, and, and you know, for uh, somebody who's like a legitimate seed maker to put exuberant, uh, prices on things that they call exotics or you know things where they, they really don't know if that line is going to produce something consistent. Uh, I think it gives the end user kind of a negative experience if they don't get exactly uh, what they were expecting. Um, and so I think it's really important too, for uh, people who are doing uh, breeding projects or who are breeders and who are releasing seeds onto the market to uh, be truthful and say, hey, this is what this is. These are the different, like, show all the different variances in, in, your, uh, in your phenotypes um, and show, you know, like, hey, you can do this with this. This is how you can train this. This is how this plant likes to feed, if it's a light feeder or heavy feeder. Um, having that kind of information will end up helping the end user. And I don't see a whole lot of that. I'd like to see all, uh, more of that. That way people can be more informed about how they can cultivate those different varieties. I agree
3: in that like at the end of the day, it's, you know, we're talking about ascribing value to something and a transaction only happens when somebody like not only happens there. Extenuating circumstances, but it is like a market dynamics thing. So, so price is not a proxy for quality, I suppose. It just depends on what you want, right?
6: Right, but growers think it is. I think it's going to be hard to to sort of come into the cannabis seed market with a low price um, sort of strategy to gain market share, even if you had a really quality product, because. The impression and I, mp oyo from chile brought this up with, with his garage he's like people don't trust the cheap stuff um and i think that, that that that's sort of implicit in what i was talking about with luxury pricing when something is more expensive we have a tendency to think it's it's a higher quality sort of regardless of the quality and that encourages um certain products to be overpriced specifically because that makes them appear to be a better deal in the end. That's actually a salient point. I'd like to play
5: devil's advocate and sort of disagree with everything everyone's saying, because I think that seed prices should go up higher than they already are. And I think that we're going to see that happen. I think if we look at aficionado, for example, um, and Brandon, I hate to pick on you, but you always talk about the fact that you've never actually purchased seeds. So when we're talking about consistency of breeders, there are breeders out there that put out really good work. Humboldt Seeds is one example. They have photos of rooms that look like clones and they have test results where the plants are between 27 and 30% THC on a whole entire 100 plant grow room all starts from seed. A terpene test are extremely similar, like high in limonene and myrcene or whatever the specific strain is going for. And the other thing I'd like to say is not all breeders lines are all consistent. They might have one consistent line and another line that's not as consistent, like Humboldt Seeds, for example. Another one is Cinderella 99 from Brothers Grimm. My mentor has grown 10 of those seeds out and I literally thought it was a clone run because when I came over, all 10 of them looked exactly the same height, same leaf structure, and all but one had a very, very similar smell. So it was extremely hard for him to
9: pick because they were so similar from seed. And I think that one of the things that plays a big role in that is, um, the genetic stability of the line, too, because some things will always express themselves, uh, other, um, over other traits. You know, they'll, they'll put these, uh, recessive traits on, on the back burner and you might always get, uh, like somewhat consistency in the line. But, you know, it's, it's not always that way. Um, and and I, I mean, like you know, you know I don't buy seeds and stuff, but I know there's a lot of good breeders. CSI Humboldt um, is uh, a really good company that has a lot of old school stuff, and uh, their name constantly comes up amongst um, the people that I'm working with right now doing the old school, um, uh, the old school San Diego lines at the bull rider, at getting bull rider, P-91. And I'm hoping to be able to work with some of these people in the future. It's all about networking. Um, But you know, I think that the biggest thing is just if a a breeder or seed maker are able to, you know, say, hey, this is what this is, this is how it is, run the lines. That's that's what it's all about, is just having transparency, I
5: think. That's the other thing is we, we, the way we are talking it sort of assumes that they're not testing and people like Duke diamond are testing and by their notes it's very apparent they tell you how much the stretch is, what will make it hermy, me what won't make it hurt me. And I think it's like a slap in the face to the people that have actually done the work to say that this stuff doesn't exist when it does. And I think that the value is so high, like even the people that get criticized aficionado, for example, they had seven or $800 10 packs, which is extremely high okay I admit that it's very high but. When you buy that seed, they have a guarantee on germination and they also have a buyback guarantee. So for whatever reason you have buyer's remorse, you ever see them at a show, contact them online, they'll buy the seeds back for full price. Years later, as long as they're sealed in the original breeder pack. And I think if somebody's going to do that, they can afford to be sort of on the luxury end and like DJ short, somebody who's been in the game for 30 plus years and has a very distinct line with blueberry. When he put out uh, his new berry, it was like $450 for a 10 pack, I believe so. Is that too expensive? Maybe for some, but it's not for everybody. And they're limited. Release. Yeah, I think
6: what he's doing with those is actually trying to luxury price that's different than just a high price due to scarcity, a high price due to scarcity because you don't have a lot and there's a market demand for it and sort of supply and demand create a, a market situation that, that sets a price at $450 per 10 pack or whatever it is. Um, that, that's different. A market driven price like that is different than a luxury price where you're slapping some outrageous value on something to, to make it appear to be more valuable than it actually is i don't think any of the
5: guys that i've referred to are doing that there are people in the industry doing that but i don't think that the guys that i'm referring to are because like you said it is a supply and demand thing they've won right. emerald cups they only have so much farm that they can grow they only have so many seeds that they can make so if they only want to do that well line then that one should year, be a
6: supply and demand thing only for a couple of years until they can increase the the, the supply of those seeds to, to answer that market demand and bring why should they the, make the less money market though? price they're not going to make m- less money that's how market dynamics work so you bring more product to the market you increase volume so you can operate at a more efficient point in the 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 supply demand curve does Ferrari um, do that if you're Well, that's what business would do. And if you have a very popular product that's worth much more, that's selling for much more than the cost of production. So you got to think about the cost of production and the profitability of the product that you're manufacturing. In this case, seeds. If you're selling a 10 pack of seeds for $450, the cost of production isn't nearly $450. Your profit margins are huge. There's way better places for you to increase volume to actually increase net profit by selling more seeds at a lower cost Um, so if you're not going in that direction it's because you're trying to maintain the luxury added value that exists on high price strains i'll buy the supply and demand market the supply and demand argument for cannabis seeds really only for a couple of years because if you're really in it for the business and it's really being driven by the quality of the genetics then the the efficient economic point of sale would be lower than that so here's an
9: Here's an interesting topic, right? So, if we're talking about luxury genetics, um, why don't we get into um, when once federal legislation passes, what's going to happen with international markets when they open up, and um, you know, different areas having uh, different type of uh, cultivars that respond different to different soil sample, you know, different soils in different regions, like you have your Champagne in France uh how do you guys think that that might uh play a part in uh future cannabis cultivation cannabis breeding cannabis marketing uh on like internet on a international market i think it's mitigated by the fact
6: that so much cannabis is grown indoors so I i don't think i don't think it's the same as thinking about sort of like wine grapes and how they would grow differently around the world or how different varietals perform in different climates i think I, a lot of cannabis, a lot of commercial cannabis is now grown in climate controlled greenhouses, in media that's specifically designed and usually in cocoa core, actually. I just wanted to bring up, maybe it's just like a small
1: time perspective or whatever to me, but um, I, I'm completely fine with paying $10 a seed. That seems to be right around what the industry standard is. I think that's fair price for, um, you know, the quality seed that I get for that price. I don't have time to do all the work to be a breeder myself. Um, I've got a lot of growing to do. So, but I don't, I don't think it's uh, a bad thing for companies to want to try to get more money for what they're, uh, for, but um, I'm never paying that price. <laughs> There's no way. I'm not paying two, three times the amount. So I think the free market will take care of that because what's gonna happen is if I want that strain, that's $400. I'll let the guys who uh, sell clones buy that and then I'll pay 10 bucks for the clone. You know, it's just, there's, there's other ways around it. Those guys are never going to get super rich doing that because there's just other ways around it. The
6: industry's already. Using. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The market is so short, is small for the people that are willing to spend that much money that they could make much more sort of gross profit if they approach the market in a different way. The only reason that you wouldn't want to do that is because the genetics don't necessarily match the reputation, and so you're doing you're selling seeds more off of reputation than you're selling them off of off of genetics. I mean, that's just what I suspect when I see those things. might be wrong i can kind of understand the sentiment to that but like for example
3: i recently bought a kiowa cultivar blackberry plant and um i did a little bit of research about it because it was a little bit expensive um for the age it was but uh it was part like of a usda like r d um program to like uh increase like productivity And uh, everbearing traits and um, flavor and uh, other aspects of that, Um, and I totally understand that. Like, if like as long as as long as we're in a system where you got to pay money to like live and spend money and all this sort of a thing, then it makes sense to recoup the cost of like research and development, for example. Especially an organization like the USDA. I try to think about, and I know that I I specifically don't have the luxury of make of having every single purchase I ever make be like the most ethical choice I ever make or that I feel like it will be. But like, I try to like, think, all right, am I buying this from someone who like the considerations that you brought up? um, Do I think that they're, they're, they're over, you know, overpricing it for a reason that's like nefarious or, or anything like that? Or is it, um, In fact, not the case.
6: Well, I don't even want to say that it's nefarious. I mean, there's whole markets of things. This is why some women's handbags cost eight hundred or a thousand or two thousand dollars. I mean, it doesn't actually cost that much to make the bag. Um, And the reason that it's sold at that price point is because it it adds to the appeal of the product. Selling it at a higher value actually makes people feel better about like carrying it and, and going around with it that's the whole idea behind the luxury pricing i'm sure some people um are are satisfied with that sort of approach to the cannabis seeds i I just think that i mean sure if you want to try to get into the market if you're trying to like start if you have something that's really cool but in the long run there are going to be better business models if you really have a good strain to sell
0: Yeah,
1: yeah i think we all understand that we think we all we all understand this so i think especially in the cannabis market, we're all been kind of have that, that suspicion in the back of our minds. So I think, you know, tactics like that, tactics like what Philos did, yeah, it's going to be a fool me once kind of a thing. It's not going to be a fool me again. So I think I, I completely agree with what was being said is like, it's going to sort sort itself out really quick. You know, you're only going to get away with it for just, you know, not very long before word gets out because everything's word of mouth. We can't even, we're not
3: even allowed to advertise. So if you don't have a good reputation, you're done. Reputation is everything in the business. Back before uh, silk was very common everywhere in the world, the the Chinese had the uh, monopoly on on uh, silkworms, and they guarded that that secret so long. But uh, even even with all of their precautions, people were able to uh, to people dressed up as priests, went into their um, their uh, monasteries, stole the uh, larvae and their sil- and their mulberry leaves in canes, brought it back like thousands of kilometers and they like started a population, started making their own silk. I think the Romans did this. Like people people will find a way to subvert the uh, the obstacle.
5: It's like Lumpus headband was a cut that was taken out of like a room in New York and then brought all the way out to the West Coast. It was like in a trimmer's pocket. So there's stories like that in cannabis as well. But I think um, what I was saying earlier with like the luxury model, looking at vehicles like Ferrari, they get about 300 plus orders every year and they hand make every car and they only sell 200 every year because at their profit margins, it just makes sense for them to do it. They've been doing it like this for many, many years. And I think in cannabis, we're going to see some brands taking that approach, not to say that it's right or moral or the best way or the most profitable way. But I do think that there will be a market like that. And I I don't think 700 is going to be the highest seed pack sold. I've seen 2,000, 3,000 auctions on Instagram.
6: I totally agree. And for some cuts, probably even more than that. I mean, people really do want those genetics. And sometimes there's the the market space to, to sort of protect them. The fundamental well, only thing that's Emerald different Cup. with the Ferrari though, is they actually invest a lot of money in a Ferrari compared to like, you know, a Ford. Um, there's a lot more of an investment made into them. And in cannabis seeds, fundamentally, once you get going, the costs of production are pretty small. Um, so there's it's not sort of the same market. And it's because those produ- costs of production are so small that it makes it more sense to target a a lower price point than, than for example, a Ferrari. But yeah, that's,
5: that's, I just think with the seasonal aspect of outdoor cannabis, how those people are growing, like I'm just looking at outdoor sun grown cannabis that Mm -hmm. is being entered into the Emerald cup, which I personally think is like one of the only cups that has legitimacy behind it anymore. A lot of people don't trust like high times or any other cup. They think it's just bought off by the sponsors, whatever. Um, But a lot of people seem to really trust the Emerald cup after whoever wins the Emerald cup, every year their seed sales go crazy. The price of that cut or the seeds, it just goes up and up and up. And so if you have the people on your team, like Aficionado, he got me and Gene to do a line, black line reserve. He's got his own cherry noir. And those were both Emerald Cup winning strains. That's only once a year. So if you have those in your stable and you're selling them for that season, I just don't see that price dropping. I think as cannabis gets bigger, more and more people are gonna want seeds from that guy from the Emerald Cup. And if he just keeps doing it the same way he's doing it, Each year, he's going to sell out all of his seeds. He's going to make a bunch of money back and be really happy with it. And he hasn't spoken on trying to expand or make it bigger because I think, like you mentioned earlier, if everybody could afford Gucci, it wouldn't have as much value if they were selling $3 handbags. But when you pay a lot more for it, people feel special and it's not for everyone. Like, I'm not going to be paying $700 for those seeds, but there is a luxury market. And it's just for that select group of people that might even just want to feel elite for paying more if not. Even yeah, genetic. that's exactly
6: my point. Right. And I just want other people to understand that you can probably get a sort of similar quality genetics for the 10 or $20 a seed price point. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of room in that market and I'm not really opposed to paying $20 a seed or even $30 a seed. Um, like I said, you're going to recover a lot of that um if the plant actually is a better plant i mean you're gonna recover all of it it's ridiculous if if you're growing a plant that's even a little bit better than another one it's worth more than 30 dollars more than the other one right like
3: like when you do the math and the back of the envelope
6: calculation right yeah just clearly i mean i've had two plants in my tent and i have two plants in my tent right now one of them's worth hundreds of dollars more than the other plant I mean, that's just, like, obvious at this point, right? So, like, if I paid $20 more for that seed, it would totally be worth it in the end. And I think that we gripe and moan a little bit too much at that bottom end. I'm just sort of shocked by some of the the top-end luxury prices, that's all. With yeah,
5: actually, the I really, uh, I ability to, to bust- go international. Yeah.
6: Sorry, go ahead, Spartan.
5: Uh,
1: I was just say, I just want to bust the myth about being special. You're only going to be special for a little while. Come on, if you've been in the scene for a while, you know. The elite cuts aren't very elite for very long so the people that want to get super tired and chase the next elite strain every single year, go ahead, have at it, but the stuff that's selling in volume is the same stuff that's been popular for the last 10 years. So it's more important to find a strain that works good in your environment and stop chasing the hype. I I, I honestly think it's going to be, if it ever becomes as legal as a tomato, you know, it's going to be just like there's tomatoes. You know, there is a fringe market for the for the most high high strains and stuff. But
5: <laughs> I mean, I can get a thousand of tomato seeds for a dollar. So I mean, that- what happens when cannabis is like that? When it's international and in Colombia, they can grow acres of it and sell it to us for pennies a gram. Yeah, actually- I'm not I'm I'm not an
3: economist by any means, but um, I think that's a really good point. Like extraneous market dynamics do exist, and sometimes they're very discreet and subtle
1: yeah it's like everybody's dancing around it, but the reason the prices are high is because it's not legal everywhere that's the reason <laughs> right
6: well and that limits the supply More. of the seeds that limits the amount of people that are in production and it also provides the space to make the prices much higher than they would be right
5: even legal producers prices are artificially inflated because when they sell it it's eventually going to wind up on the street get resold so you know they know it has a certain value because they're seeing it resold in the uk for six times what they're selling it for at the dispensary so it's like there's always going to be value in cannabis if we make it illegal certain places because the illegal places are going to have to pay a lot more for it. So there's going to be export and import and all that stuff.
1: Right, and that's all the point I was trying to make is the the the, the thing that's really set the price in the even the quasi legal state of it in some of our states. Thank God for that. Um, but still, with all the taxes and the regulations and the licensing fees, who's really setting the prices on this? <laughs> it's not it's not anybody in the whole supply
6: chain. It's the government. Well, the reality is, yeah, the only way they're going to be able to maintain a high price point for cannabis is by restricting supply and that that's sort of what you're seeing with the various legalization movements. Um, a lot of the, the players in the industry now have an ind- interest in keeping a high price point so. They're probably going to, I mean, I'm not looking forward. It would be great if the price of cannabis would would sort of hover around the price of production like it does with most commodities, but I don't think that that's going to be allowed to happen.
0: Hey, guys, are there patents on strains? Josh Colbert asks. Yes.
6: Okay. There is. There's one um,
5: CBD produce. If it's a CBD dominant strain that produces no myrosine, it's completely broad spectrum patented. I can't think of the company who owns the patent, but... Um, it's unfortunate because medicinal genomics is, has proof that they're going to try and fight it with the Jan- Jamaican lion strain, which is a high CBD strain that doesn't produce myrcene. But I don't know if they had the info out there before the patent was placed and mm-hmm. those things cost millions, if not billions to challenge. So the patent says,
3: if you don't have myrcene, then we have a patent on that. That's a cannabis plant. High well, CBD. That's
7: a pretty, that's low a pretty c- rare, rare strain, isn't it
5: Jack? It is. It's a mutation, I believe. So it only shows up in a few varieties and it's only been documented a couple times. But like I said, medicinal genomics has that Jamaican lion after the fact that the broad spectrum patent has been put out there. It's similar to the concentrate patent, where there's like if you have 95% concentrate of THC and then 5% of any terpenes or any other concentration, they have a patent on that. Same with CBD, 95% or higher, plus other. Uh, cannabis or non-cannabis derived terpenes mixed in. Mm, That's interesting because
3: I wonder that if you had a different mutation or different, um, if you achieve the same result in a different way, is it a process patent or is it a product patent? I don't
5: understand really the dynamics. So there's a few different ways to go about it. Um, I think everyone should probably listen to like medicinal genomics YouTube videos about this um, open cannabis project after they left Phylos, talked a little bit about this. They're going to be able to describe the different legal forms of patents. And one of them, like, for example, can only last a year. And then after that, they have to pay a bunch of money to try and maintain it. Um, There's a whole bunch of different, that's the plant, a patent variety PPV. Um, The one that I was referring to earlier is longer lasting. It's a, um, I can't think of the categorization of patent that it is but it's like one that affects the whole industry so if you are sort of caught using that thing or saying that you're producing your own unique thing and it's theirs or it represents what they have patented they can come after you legally
0: okay guys well listen um thank you jack for that we are well we're about 20 minutes over um but guys listen it's been a great show we had josie we lost him a little while ago he's just sent me a text uh, his his phone died. I try to get him back, uh, but I will ask him to come back for a future for a future uh, show. Um, so, guys, panel members, thank you, viewers, thank you, listeners, thank you. I'll tell you what. Let's start off with the closing statements, and I'm looking at the YouTube. Let's go to Spartan Grown first. What are your final statements, buddy?
1: oh i just wanted to say um thanks guys that was an awesome show epic show i thought it was awesome to sit here and i said in chat already to sit here smoking some gg4 and listening to the guy who bred the thing you're here (laughs) so but uh if you wanted to follow me on you can find me on instagram at spartan grown or um my work at uh mitten gardens or mitten gardens uh it's one of my bosses uh michigan matt um is my other uh boss and then uh the it's called Mitten Canico on Instagram. Thank you.
0: You are very welcome. Thank you for joining the panel tonight. Next is Mr. Sequence from the Michigan Bro Show.
2: Hi, thanks again for having me. It was an honor to talk to uh, everyone on the panel and Josie Wells, of course. Um, I just got done interviewing Spartan Grown's boss, Michigan Matt, at Mich- Mitten Canico. That episode will be coming out tomorrow. So if you're interested in learning about thousand plant uh, commercial cultivation. Check that out. Thank you.
0: Wow. Good, good for you, uh, sequence. And that is the Michigan Bros Grow Show, which is co-hosted by Sean, aka SkillBull1 on Instagram. Next is Mr. Matthew Gates.
3: Yeah, I really enjoyed the, um, the, the conversation here. It, it, I really learned a lot, and I always love it when I do. Um, I'll just echo the same statement, it was really cool to meet Josie um, because uh, Brandon introduced me to the cultivar and it's quickly becoming one of my favorites so it was really cool to just talk to him and uh, understand the lore a little bit better. Um, But I talked about a lot of pests and pathogens and if you want to learn about that. My Hmm. Xenthanol YouTube channel is all about that. And my Instagram Sync Angel is also. So um, follow those if you are interested.
0: All right, uh, Mr. Matthew Gates, thank you for joining us on the panel tonight. Next on the list is Mr. Jack Greenstock. Jack.
5: Thanks everybody for having me. This uh, week was pretty awesome. As many others have already said, I'm a big fan of GG4 and uh, getting to talk to Josie was really awesome. So um, Thank you all for having me. If you want to listen to my podcast, you can check that out at Greenstock Talks on whatever podcast platform you listen to. You can also find me on Instagram at Jack Greenstock.
0: Thank you very much, Jack. Appreciate it. And let's go to Mr. Dr. MJ. Doctor.
6: Hey, how's it going? Yeah, that was an awesome. It was awesome hearing stories from Josie Wells today. I, I really like that. Um, so that was fun. Thanks for setting that up. I guess Brandon was involved and Shane. Um, so yeah, I'm Dr. MJ Coco from Coco for Cannabis. Uh, we try to put out content on the science and practice of growing cannabis. Um, we got our next challenge. Our next grow challenge is coming up—the Beat the Best Challenge. Um, so check that out at cocoforcannabis.com/slash-challenge. I'm gonna be growing um, Josie's uh, GG4 now. I think I'm gonna go grab a, a cut of that and, and toss that into my grow. The, the whole idea there is to to try to pick the best strain. So. Um, Always a pleasure,
0: Shane. Thanks for having me on. It was a great show. You are very welcome, Mr. Dr. MJ. And as a little um, shout out to you, I would uh, reach out to to Josie on his Instagram account, which I will... I will uh, shout out at the end and the beginning of this show. Okay. Yeah, I, fr- I already uh, friended him
6: there and oh, followed you? him, um, yeah, on uh, Instagram and, and Twitter. So, hopefully, yeah, it'd be great to get him involved in some of this stuff. I would love to get GG4 as one of our strains for one of these challenges, man. That would be awesome. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Next on the list is Chef. Chef, what's up?
7: Uh, hey, guys. Um, if you want to follow me, you can uh, follow me at uh, Instagram Chef OMJ. Um, you can also find me over at Coco for Cannabis. It was definitely an honor to be amongst one of the creators of uh, GG Four, and and it really opened my eyes speaking to the man himself uh, about what's going on around here. And I'm pretty speechless about it still Uh, it's it's pretty cool to say the least uh thanks for having me on the show
0: you are very welcome chef thank you for coming on tonight i do appreciate it let's go on to mr can can you were quiet tonight but that's okay what's up mr can can
8: yeah for sure i you know i uh i really appreciate the the shows where um Maybe I'm not as much of a contributor, but uh, definitely a listener just because selfishly it's, uh, it means that I'm picking up quite a bit more uh, and, and enjoying the show, and, uh, and this is one of those shows. I just want to shout out everybody on the panel because I, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I think everyone on the panel, as I follow everyone on Instagram and on YouTube and so on and so forth, is doing some really, uh, has really picked up a uh, everything that they're doing uh, on those platforms. So I hope everyone that's listening to the show is checking everyone out. And uh, last thing with the show, I I wasn't checking it often, but last time I checked uh, um, as far as viewers for this uh, show, I think we hit over 50 viewers and I think that that's pretty awesome. So anyways, I think shout out to everyone. Everyone's doing a great job. Anyone that wants to check out what I'm doing, it's at CanCanGrow on YouTube and on Instagram
0: look forward to being on uh, next week. All right. Thank you, Mr. Can, And well, we have Brandon. He just came back on. Brandon, uh, what are your final words?
5: Brandon.
7: He's still muted. He might be oh. on
5: mute. Make sure you hit thumbs up if you're listening still uh, on the YouTube. Uh, go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. That helps out the show and make sure more people can find it. and. Uh, just really goes a long way with making sure people can hear
0: these uh, same messages and try and better
5: their own growing. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, Jack. Well, I'm going to say thank you to Brendan Rust. That's Brandon. Again, that is Brandon on Instagram. Thank you for coming on the panel tonight, Brandon. And last but not least, I am Shane McCormick for the Cheap Home Grow podcast. I host or I do a live show every, excuse me, I, I do a podcast, I release a podcast every Tuesday. I do a live show. On Sunday evenings, called the Growing with My Fellow Growers show. I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Cheap Home Grow, and also on Instagram at Growing with My Fellow Growers. Thank you panel members. Thank you Josie. Thank you, uh, Chat, and thank you listeners. I will see everybody next week. Thank you again.